Look at that. So we are in the uh, You Now Speak to Ormus channel, which is a, a Diablo 2 joke. Yes. <laughs> dude's uh, dude's timber, dude's baritone is is stellar. The voice actor, You Now Speak to Ormus. That was just that that's bored into my brain. Sure. Uh, I mean, for me, it's uh, regrettably I could do nothing. Uh, well, then you can rot in that cage, Deckard Kane. I never rescued him. I re like after the first run through, I just left him in that cage to rot. He still shows up in the later chapters. Like you can't not, you can't let him die, but you can just leave him in the cage. He just gets angry at you and charges you from then on to actually identify your items. But who cares? Pittance of gold, like it's worth it. It was worth it for me to pay a hundred gold per item identified because that's how much I hate Deckard Kane. Really, not a Deckard Kane yeah. fan. Not a no, he, uh, he he couldn't do anything. That's worthless. So there you go. <laughs> that's amazing. I, I've never heard the I hate Deckard Kane hot take, but we are doing a airing of grievances to, uh, sort of bit right now. So uh, respectable. Well, number grievance. one, Deckard Kane. <laughs> horrible <laughs> uh i just gotta change the the stream title real quick uh <laughs> fucking deck oh man i just remember the deckard kane rap if you like that's such an old internet deep cut uh i don't know that i remember that i mean i spent a lot of time playing diablo 2 like a lot a lot of time back when we all just had our computers networked together like physically oh. networked together Do you mean you know? lan parties no, I mean, like, we seriously had five computers set up in someone's house around one table because that's how we lived, and they were all just networked together, right? Right. Wasn't a, it wasn't a specific day or a party. It was just that's how we lived, and that's how we would play Diablo 2, and we would have, you know, we had our own everything, and so we played, uh, you know, we played hardcore, mm -hmm. and uh, because that was the only way you actually played, uh, <laughs> and... And uh, when your character dies, they die. That's it. You play hardcore, you play nothing. <laughs> uh, you get one death. And uh, that's it. Anything else is for, is for you know, wusses. And so the my my 82nd level is where he topped out. He didn't die. I just stopped playing him eventually because it's, you know, kind of slow to edit after a point. Uh, Necromancer Meatwad. Uh, and, uh, and then, you know, so on and so forth. But... You know, then also, of course, we had we had figured out that you could like lock the save files on local so that we could. So then item duping was the thing. Right. So then we just had like bag characters, bag one, bag two. That was every magic item set. So like as soon as your character at level six, here's your whole angel set or whatever. And then level 12, here's this whole set. Tran ghouls, so baby, for the necromancer. Yeah, just whatever you wanted, every set ever, every cool item, every amazing everything, every rune, just on tap, being duped off of bag people. Yes. Well, it, it, we used to um, trade, you had S, uh, SOJs, right? And uh, duping was a problem, so when you traded, like, I remember, I just remember this like a day ago, trading SOJs for gear, or gear for gear, right, like looking for, and you, you're trading stuff, and... You had, it was customary to not identify it when you traded people. And I remember the first time I was looking for, like, the Trangul's helmet or something like that. You know, mm -hmm. two SOJs for a Trangul's helm. Someone's like, got it. And it wasn't identified. And I'm, I don't know, I'm like 12 at the time, I think. Um, I'd have to do math to figure <laughs> out when Diablo 2. I'm sure you probably were. I was in college. Continue. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I saw, like, angry 12-year-old, like, what the fuck is this thing? You know? like, <laughs> like right. I, and then, like, uh, and, and I remember, like, throwing out the SOJ, identifying it in front of them, 
and then throwing out the second SOJ, the Stone of Jordan, right? The the rings were our currency. Um, and I think that I think about that, how that community left alone developed its own currency, and there's like a sure, sure. like the SOJs and stuff like that. Like there's a magic to that that feels empty, like in the later Diablo installment. Like like it's it's just like there's no. They tried to do a real money auction house, which was like the opposite of the SOJ. It was fundamentally the opposite of what was core to that old community where they kind of grassroots designed and developed their own thing. So. I mean, I think, so my experiences with Diablo two and Starcraft and all that sort of generation of video games mm -hmm. is probably a parallel to my experience with Warhammer and a lot of other things, which is to say, like I never went on Battle.net and played Diablo two. Interesting. Okay. Uh, why would I do that? Mm -hmm. As just mentioned, I have five friends. We're hanging together all the time. We have our own local network world we can play in. Why would I want to? Why would I want to see or meet or play with other people? <laughs> what would possibly be the purpose of that? Okay, <laughs> it's like the opposite of Age of Sigmar. <laughs> and no, I'm saying it's exactly my experience with Age of Sigmar in that, like, I don't go to the shop like or oh, something and play games. I don't, you know, like I go to events, right? Mm -hmm. Because there's a broader community, all of you, all these people I've met online, people like you, Matt, who I want to see in person, right. people who I miss dearly, people who I consider my real friends. I, right? I miss I miss you too, buddy. And, uh, and uh, I am sorry, I made you feel bad the first time we ever met. It was not intentional. No, it was the second time we ever met, technically. We met once at Adepticon. I guess that's I think, true. We I did meet at Adepticon first. Yes, yeah. that's right. That's right. I'm sorry I made you feel... We didn't really talk at that Adepticon. No. But at that Nashcon, we were getting to know each other. Right. So I'm sorry I I, uh, I did not realize. Oh, it's, it's, bored, it's bored into my soul. Like, Vince Venturella once told me I'm the loudest human being on Earth. <laughs> it is true. You really are. You really are. Like you, you were made for. This is the way I think of it, Matt. You were made for great things. You're, you're, you were made to be someone who rallied an army, spoke to a crowd, who led a great movement. This yeah. is, this is your destiny, your fate. Yeah. You are constituted of such things that few men are. Yeah. That's... To be a leader amongst men. So you know that's what you should feel there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, sorry go on yeah uh but at any rate like i go to events because they're fun and i like seeing all these people but uh but like in my normal weekly games no i have like five friends who play warhammer they're the people i play warhammer with why would i go anywhere else like i, I don't leave my house Warhammer's in my house that's where it is it's, it's that room right there on the other side of that door that's where my warhammer table is that's where we play you mean this right where right happens. past the wizard staff right past the wizard staff that's correct yes <laughs> Um, it's weird because like I, 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 maybe it's a product of the time type thing, but I grew up from even like video games and stuff like that. It was like Nintendo. We didn't like play two player games. You didn't play like Mario and Luigi taking turns like that. You, no. we, we tended to play single player games like Zelda and take turns when we died. Right. Like, um, so I, that's how I grew up gaming with video games. And so like to this day, I, I secretly hate multiplayer video games. I'm like, I don't. Like, when I play a video game, I want to be alone in a room with myself. Or, like, friends, but, like, I don't like the, like, multiplayer thing. I, I mean, yeah, I got sucked into WoW like everybody else. I did play sure. Battle.net. But, uh, but it's like... No, I don't know. It's it, I, I hear you. Like, most of my young life was spent watching people play Fantasy Star 2 all the way through, Dragon Warrior all the way through, yeah. 
uh, you know, and other other early Nintendo and Sega role playing games. And then, uh, but you know, as soon as MMOs came out, I mean, again, but we, I was playing MMOs like I was on Ultima Online when that, you know, pretty <laughs> early on, not right away, but pretty early on. And again, I was just playing with my friends. Like there were literally four of us in a house. We had a server in the house. We were playing on Ultima Online, but the four of us were running together is, with some other friends we happened to, other is, people we happened to meet. Is my memory wrong on this? But I swear Ultima Online, you could loot players. And someone was like, Ultima no, you can... Online is one of the greatest MMOs ever made in the history of MMOs. It had great ideas that were left in the ash bin of history and shouldn't be. Not only could you loot other players... You could kill, like, yes, outside of cities where there were guards that would show up and insta-gank you. Like, if you attacked, you could attack other people in town. But the second you swung the sword, like, guards just teleported in and would just whack you off of the, the yeah. you're dead. Okay? Now, yes, you could kill other players. Yes, you could steal their stuff. All that's true. If you had everything on you, you could be robbed. Right? Like, you could be killed and robbed and all of that stuff taken. Okay? And that sounds horrible. Because that sounds griefing, Right? The problem is that the system was brilliant because it balanced itself. It had a morality system. When you were normally walking around in the game, you were blue. Blue meant you were a good person. And if you're blue and you attack somebody who's also blue and you just attack them, you go gray. Or you steal from them. Because remember, you could just rob people too. You didn't have to kill them to rob yeah, them. You yeah. just like, get next to somebody yeah. and just... You know, start. You'd be like, you, there, if you were, if you had your pickpocketing good enough, you could just like open their bags and start looking through. There was, there if was you, no PvP or PVE servers in Ultima Online. You were no. <laughs> it was just, it was just the world. It was like life, yeah. and it relied on morality to keep people in line. Because if you were blue and you stole from somebody, let's say you're in a relatively crowded area, five, six, seven people on the screen, mm -hmm. right? And you're blue. Everybody's blue. You're all just killing monsters, having a good time. Maybe you're at like an orc fort or something, right? You're all killing orcs. And then some dude runs up and you steal from somebody else. Well, when you steal from them, regardless of whether or not you're successful, you went gray. Mm -hmm. Okay? And gray meant neutral. And good people can kill neutrals without going gray. Mm -hmm. Okay? So you turn gray in the middle of a field of, of good people, they all are going to snap to you. Okay? <laughs> and just be like, oh, criminal! And it was mob rule. Just like instantly... The, the 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 justice would be served. Six seven people would descend upon you and tear you apart. Oh my god! Okay, and so if you and then if you killed the person, you killed if you killed enough good people, mm -hmm. you went red. Okay. Now here's why red mattered. Red meant you're evil. Now not only can good people attack red people without going, you know, gray or red. Of course, that's a good act, right? But if you're red long enough, bounties would go up from you. Mm -hmm. for you like literally if you could go to a place in town and the red people in the area would get you could know who they were and go kill them and then you would get rewards the game incentivized you hunting them down and killing them mm -hmm. okay and in addition if you died and you were red your soul was not good enough to res the reser will not interact will not res evil people so you must spend time in purgatory which means you have to be a ghost. When you're a ghost, you're literally just a ghost walking around. No one else, people can just see you walking no, around as a ghost. You can't communicate with them. Everything you say just goes, ooh. That's all it says, okay? <laughs> and and you had to sit in game as 
a ghost and not auto log, right? For real days. time, real time days, yeah. Real time days. I had a buddy who had a character deep in the red, like a murderer amongst murderers. <laughs> like he was Jesse James or Billy the Kid. Okay, he had the stack of bodies behind him was long, and his wealth was vast. Okay, and finally a group of people, a posse, finally brought him down. Okay, <laughs> like literal Wild West. <laughs> this is a yes, perfect metaphor. That's what it was. Yeah, it was completely. And, like, the safest place you could be was amongst other people, right? It, it was this really interesting thing. The dangerous thing was to be alone in the wilderness. It actually recreated, like, the sort of feeling of that time period where people were safe. They would gather together for safety. And the dangerous thing was to be alone in the wilderness. Because when you're alone, the bandits, the criminals could descend upon you, right? Mm -hmm. But if you travel in groups, if you're in cities, if you're in just even large groups of people, you're safe. Because no one's going to risk attacking one of you when there's eight of you who's going to turn on them, right? Mm -hmm. And so he died and he went to the reser and it was like, it will take you 14 days to work off the, the sins of your soul. 14 real days. Real yeah. days. Yes, of standing there logged in. That's how long, <laughs> that's how deep in the red he was. <laughs> it was great. It was an amazing game. It was an amazing game because of these balance efforts, right? And, you know, like, just the, the so much of the nature of that game was left behind. And it's really a shame because we gave it up for graphics. That's yes. what we did. We yeah. were like, oh, because it was a sort of, you know, just like Diablo it, 2, a sort of isometric fake. 3D. Yeah, like really grainy looking. Like, yeah, it yeah. was, I, yeah. Yeah, 100%. I played it around the same, about the same time as Diablo 2, so, like, I have this, like, hunk of memories, and Diablo 2 was, like, the one that stands out. I played... I, I spent more of my time with EverQuest. Uh, you, I... Sure. You all put hair on your chest, though. Like, there's, <laughs> there's like, a, mm -hmm. yeah. a spice of stepping outside of the, that sort of initial place, some guy riding up with a red name on a horseback, and just, like, murking you, taking your peasant loot, and just, you can, you can even, like... Like, I remember it, it, it had this really, like, breakthrough technology where you could see their screen as they take your loot off your body and just throw it in the trash. Like, <laughs> they've just killed sure. you and looted you. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, my buddy who was a hardcore murderer, that was just one of his many murderer characters. And he was friends with a murderer gang. They were truly, like, it was like, they were, it was it was young guns, okay, or whatever. But, like, they yep. weren't actually the good guys. Um, it to, I guess more importantly, they were the cowboys, right? Out of the out of uh, 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 Tombstone. Thank you, Tombstone. God, yep. Name wouldn't come to my head. Yeah, they were the cowboys out of Tombstone. So they were all deep in the red, murderers a hundred times over. Like just again, who wore red had, scarves? By the way, they they they're they did. they're they red, yep. red sashes. Yep, that's right. I see a red sash. I kill a man. Oh, uh, yeah, fucking. You tell him hell's coming, and I'm coming with him. All right, with it. Uh, anyways, uh. So, uh, yeah, it's a great movie. I got one, one of the best. One of the best. 50 yeah. times. Yeah. At any rate. Um, so they were all like <laughs> Doc and Lumberman, which is my buddy. Lumberman. Don't ask why he was called Lumberman. It's because it was like his fourth hole that was meant to harvest wood. And then somehow in the in I guess he harvested enough wood. He's like, he's done with the trees. He's like, it's time to turn this axe on people, yo. And uh, so like he had just built up the strength and the instinct. And so this, they, they, their little team had there was a like a lake okay there was a lake there's in this in this so it was in uo after the expansion is when it got really good because there's like a lich fort there was an orc fort there's yeah, like cool liches. things near town 
And the Lich was great, because you would camp the Lich all day and kill him, and you'd steal, because he dropped bone armor, and bone armor was great, because bone armor was the same, yeah, bone armor. So, a, it it gave you the Petrifex Elite save, right? Like, right. <laughs> and B, it was the same armor as plate mail, but it degraded fairly quickly, but it was cheap. So, like, you would just kill the Lich a hundred times for a couple days and then have a couple suits of bone armor. Because the problem is plate mail, especially if you had, like, I had a finely crafted suit of shadow plate, like obsidian black dyed plate. It was beautiful. Super high-end armor. was gorgeous. I wore that out of town about never. Because, unless I was rolling with, like, a huge crew. Because the second you roll out an obsidian plate, like shadow plate, somebody's going to gank you and take your plate. <laughs> Unless you've got a group with you. So you wear bone armor because it's cheap and who cares if you lose it. But at any rate, um, there in between, so like where you'd run from town, you could teleport anywhere. This is another this is another thing in the game. Every spell could be cast anytime you wanted, period. But every spell had components. Okay? And those components cost money and you had to buy them. So if you were rich, you could go anywhere and do anything. Because you could mark a rune to anywhere in the world. Wherever you stand, you could cast a spell to mark a rune. Teleport, target that rune, you end up back in that place. Period. Bottom of the worst dungeon, third level Hythloth, like a place with like Balrogs and everything roaming around, mark a rune, you can just teleport there. Doesn't matter if you've never been there or not. Incredible. So easy to get around the world. By the way, you yes, you can murder people and steal the, their the, rune. Uh, the fantastic. opposite of EverQuest, by the way. Getting around the world in yes. EverQuest was a real-time a, chore. A chore and a nightmare, yes. <laughs> absolutely. The real-time boat journeys, just mm -hmm. like... Mm-hmm. Oh, that boat. That's what I'm saying. I came from UO to EverQuest, and that's why I couldn't play EverQuest. Oh, I see. I see. Right, because I was in UO where I was like teleport, where I had murdered people and taken runes and had things for everything marked. I didn't walk around town. <laughs> Just teleport? This is... Yes. You're, you're me if I was a real wizard. Like, if I was a real Correct. Dungeons & Dragons, that's I'd how... Teleport to the fridge. Yeah. Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't like Mage Hand prestidigitation teleportation. I wouldn't. I wouldn't even eat with a spoon. I would use Mage Hand to move my jowls to chew. Sure. <laughs> yeah. So like, I had runes marked for the bank, for the magic item store, for for everywhere I would need to go in town, the blacksmith, and I would just teleport around town and then teleport to the place I needed to be. But lots of people didn't have this level of wealth. Like I've always been about making that money in games. That's in, in any game we've played, we're always some of the richest characters. When we play, when Tom and I played Star Wars Galaxies, they released a thing that like the average currency held by players is fifteen hundred credits or whatever. Tom and I had a hundred million credits. Okay, between us, <laughs> like we could have bought a capital ship when they released them. That's supposed to be for a, like a guild. Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I remember so, I had a, a pretty good racket going. Uh, you're talking about the original Star Wars Galaxies, uh, you know, where you had to play multiple classes to unlock Jedi. In this case, I was talking about the new, the new Star Wars. Oh, Swotor. Sure. Yeah. Okay. Go on. But yeah. yes, I, I also no. In original Star Wars Galaxies, I was Big Ron. I was a fat guy with a leather jacket, gold chain, uh, like bald in the middle, and Big Ron's big box. I had emporiums on uh, all major planets. Sold droids, absolutely. Yeah, never yeah. killed anybody. Threw the gun away. It was worthless. <laughs> I just remember being so pumped to get a fucking speeder bike in that game. I'm just like fuck yeah! Like I was so happy that I started setting up little droid shops because you you could have your little shops on like the hub planets and stuff, and just be oh, yeah, and then like you spend more time like creating an industry than actually playing the damn game. <laughs> no, that was playing the game, Meth. My playing Star Wars Galaxies was literally, this is what I would do. I would log in, and I would go to wherever my nuclear reactors were set up to harvest. 
to wherever my to wherever my nuclear reactors were and to wherever all my various ore and harvesters were because I had harvesters all over the galaxy, right? So I'd go planet to planet, see see how the veins were doing under them. If I had mined them clean, then we pick up all the harvesters, pick up the power plant, and then I'd go exploring, find a new you know survey, find a new planet, new vein, set them back up. So that took a couple. That took time. Once that's running, then I would I would of course gather all the ore and everything that I had gained that day, check its quality you know, see how good it was. And then I would go to my factory because I had factory set up and then I would load up my <laughs> new data schemas for whatever I wanted to build that day. And then I'd have it punch out like a couple hundred bots of whatever it was. And like, that was it. That was what I was doing. Like I was, and then I would take the, the finished droids from my factory. I would go to my shops. I would refill the service droids at my shops with the necessary inventory. I'd check what it sold. I would collect the money from there. And then by that point, you know, I'm done. It's dead. That's it. Day over. Time to go. Log out. <laughs> I, I would log out of selling things, selling computers. I, at that time, I sold computers for a living. I would sell computers to people all day, then go home and to relax, I would sell computers. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I had to build myself and harvest the raw materials for them. Uh, okay. Kickers, like, this sounds like how I played No Man's Sky. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. You just form yeah. an industry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so at any rate, back to the UO story real quick. So this group of murderers, this these cowboys, in between the city and all the places you wanted to be, there just happened to be this little tiny pond. It's about this big on the screen. Okay. And in that game, you could have boats. You could literally, you could buy everything. You could buy houses, towers, castles. You could install dragons in your castles. All It was crazy. It was so much It, it felt a lot everything more like, like a tabletop RPG port than, than like EverQuest video gamified a lot of like the the tabletop rpg elements you know but like yeah. It, yeah, didn't, yeah. it didn't have that like total agency the way you do with the tabletop rpg right now in our soulbound game you'd be like no fuck it we're not going to that city we'll go over here and then sure. like now i have to write a whole adventure about you going right like ever uh ultima online did a really good job of capturing that i think like was it's great yeah system. where you could just sort of make your way in the world it was your fun in this crazy open world right it was truly the most sandbox of sandbox I had a buddy who made his living in that game as a dragon installer. So what he would do is he he uh, he would he had his performance up high enough to where he could like tame dragons, which is really hard, like full fledged adult dragons. That's very hard. They will murder you if you get near them. Right? They're very hard monsters. But he would find them in the wilderness. They only live deep in the mountains and stuff like that. You gotta go find them. He would tame them, and then once they were tame, he would like you know give them a name like A or something good a you're a good a pet a i've always loved an a like you i've always wanted an a like you whatever then he would put him in his bag and he would figure out who wants to buy dragons and you would buy dragons for lots of money for your house because the trick is other people could sneak into your house and steal your, your your stuff if you weren't careful so the best defense was to just put a dragon in your house right by the front door where people could walk in <laughs> because the dragon will attack everybody who it's not bound to okay so you you set up chimneys like, you could install chimneys, so the, the dragon installer will set up, like, a row of five chimneys by the front door. Then they stick the dragon behind the chimneys, okay? And then they set up the sixth thing, and then they transfer the control of the pet to the new owner for the money. And then now there's a dragon, and it won't attack the owner of the house, but if anybody else walks in the door, it will just melt them instantly. Uh, and that was what he did. He just walked around and sold dragons for, for thousands of gold. Great deal. Anyways, in this little pond, you could have boats and stuff, like I said. The, so my, my murder crew friends set up a boat. Now, the boat just literally fit UO. We're talking about Ultima Online, early Ultima Online. The boat just literally fit in the pond. 
Now, here's the trick about a boat. Unless you had a rune marked to the boat or the plank was extended, you could not get on a boat. You could not attack people on a boat. When they were on the boat, they were safe if you were on land. You know what I'm saying? You're invulnerable. You can sit there from the deck and just be like, right? <laughs> like, like Monty Python. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, go yeah, away exactly. or I will taunt you a second time. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> like... So they would set, they would work this area where people would naturally run through. They would murder everybody who ran through there until like, and what will happen is enough people will get killed that some will escape and they'll get back to town and be like, they're killing people at the crossing, get a posse. And like, that's inevitably what happens after a certain amount of time, right? You're on the clock. And then like 30 people will ride together to be like, let's get those murderers. Let's bring them to justice. We ride. Like they'll rango you in a heartbeat, right? So you just got to wait. And then as soon as the posse rolls in, they would just teleport 10 feet onto their boat and be invulnerable and be like... We stole all your friend's stuff. You want it back? Too bad. Look at all these bags of your stuff. Because the deck of the ship was just stacked as high as you could with bags, and every bag was full of bags, the maximum number of bags. Yeah. And I would just go through their bags, and they'd be like, and I'd be like, can I have this plus five silver halberd of vanquishing, like the best weapon in the game? And they're like, I don't care. Well, you've got like a thousand of those. I don't even keep track of that kind of crap. Yeah, take whatever you want, man. None of this stuff is ours. We stole all this. It doesn't matter. Cool. <laughs> now that's a yeah. fucking cold open, man. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I got to go grab my lump of coal, which is the brewer was going. I was saving specially just for this, and then we'll do the pitch. And uh, I don't know, man. Like uh, free form tonight. We'll talk about whatever we want. I think Slanesh is, is one of the main things I want to talk about. But from there, uh, it's a Christmas special. We're just embracing the rabbit holes today. Okay. That's the gift to the community. I, I bring. I'll be right back. Sounds good. Oh, man. Well, hey, chat. Hey, chat, folks. It's a busy... We got a full chat house tonight. The, the chat gang is definitely in full effect. Uh, so the question is, what do you want to see us talk about on this Christmas special? I'm watching over. Hello, everybody. Hey, Frank. Uh, I'm glad to see everybody in here. Uh, so, yeah, put in some stuff you want to see us talk about. And tell friends that we're on here. I should tweet we're on here. That's what we should be doing. Why aren't we doing that? Get some more people in here. Uh, yeah, it was a uh, UO was a great game. What I lament, talk more about this amazing game. Sure. What you have to understand about UO is that the uh, like it lacked certain things that modern games have come to you would you would come to expect. Like here's an easy example of things that weren't in this game. Hey, Tomb King Tristan, uh, there was no global chat in UO. You know, in any game, like if you just if you think of now like wow or any game like that, if you just typed like, you know, you want to talk to some person, you type their name slash their name or something like that, or slash chat this person's name, you can talk to them anywhere in the world, right? Because there's a global chat engine built into uh built into the um into the into the game. This did not. You could only see people talking when they were on screen with you, and the words would literally appear above their head. So, like, if you wanted a global chat, you had to be running, like, ICQ or something at the same time. Right? Uh, so, coordination was actually really hard. Because the second somebody wandered off screen, if they're over here, you can't see what this person over here is saying. Right? Which meant coordination was uh, really tough. And so, there's a lot of things that weren't there. A lot of the commands were all just, like, you know, slash commands. It was all just, like, a huge list of slash commands. And stuff like that. And 
so like there's a lot of non-intuitiveness to it but at the same time it had so much that i'm sad that we lost as we push toward just like having better graphics and having a more roller coaster like experience because it really was this game where you sort of made your own fun it was this game where you could do anything like i said you could build a giant house you could build a giant castle you could train in any skill you could blacksmith your own things you, like crafting was obviously a huge part of the game but so was just having stuff out in the world and the the nature of sort of the experience of the thing was such that you would just do your own fun and uh yep the doggo left he went to go find meth because he just realized meth wasn't in the room oh nope there he is he's back <laughs> i mean we could just make this watch the dog it's gonna be fun the dog is gonna be far cuter and more interesting than anything i'm saying hi mochi is there a community for uo now i'm sure there is um i'm sure that there's still servers up there for it like i don't it's still around. It stayed around for a really long time because, because it offered something that nothing else in the market really did other than the only other game that I can think of that's kind of like this is, uh, oh God, sci-fi MMO game spaceships and building a little empire and stuff. I cannot remember the name of it for life of me because my brain is melted. But um, there's only like one other game that's really ever been truly like that. Um but the the reality is is that thank you eve yes thank you heavy d6 eve online yep uh how is meth answering this when he's not even here what the heck it's ridiculous um and uh so the I, there's there's still always been games they had made expansions it's still passed around i'm sure there's some server up with it whether it's legitimate or not uh i'm sure that it's still around um like just because there's not you know, there's a lot of games that were just knockoff clones of other games. Like, is anybody really sad that they don't have Shadow Blade around anymore or whatever? Eh, probably not. Um, are, are people... But with a game like this, you're so heavily invested in it that there's just people who will play it forever. Because it was so unique. Uh, and so different. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it was... It was a very unique sort of experience. And uh, ultimately, I would say that I... Something like uh, uh, Camelot Unchained or whatever is probably dark, the Dark Age of Camelot. Closest. Well, no, the new one that they're coming out with, like Camelot Unchained or whatever it is, is probably the going to be. I mean, it's, it's all the same guy. The same guy did Dark Age of Camelot, obviously. But it's like, that's probably your closest successors. I played a lot of Dark Age as well, which was really the next one we went to full time. Like, I, I saw EverQuest. I played it a little bit and I was like, no, this is terrible. And then Dark Age came out, and I was like, "Oh, hello! I am in for this." And so we, I rallied everybody up, and we all, we all made some hippies. We were all hippies, Hibernians. We were all the the hippies, the hippie hip, the hippie hippies, and uh, we played that for a while. And that was fun. Do Do you find that like you you gravitate towards like the PvP uh, games? Because Dark Age of Camelot for me, it was like Ultima Online was not Ultima Online. Um, EverQuest, like, it, there was, like, kind of two crowds that, that overlapped at that time period. It was, like, you had uh, you had your EverQuest cr crowd, which is what I was in, Then we gravitated towards the PvE element of it. Yeah, you Care Bears, right? Yeah, right. And then you had Dark Age of Camelot as, like, the people who wanted that sure. PvP. Which is uh, interesting, because, wow, I was on a PvP 
server as a progression raider. So like I sure. completely kind of united the, the the tribes by that time, but the best PVE gear was the best for murdering folk in the vanilla days. So <laughs> like it all made sense. Um, yeah, I mean, the answer is it depends. Depends on the game. Yeah. Like <laughs> in Dayok, uh, no, I didn't do that much RVR. Uh, Tom did uh, certainly with some other friends. They were big into the PvP of that game. I really wasn't. Yeah. I just liked the world. I thought it was cool. Mm-hmm. Um, I did play on a PvP server eventually, like with my second character, my little bone dancer or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I came, like that, which I, which when we all moved to a PvP server, I came back and made a bone dancer, and, and that was pretty fun. Right on. Um, and the, and yes, I know Camelot Unchained has been in development for seven years. I'm, I'm one of the like, IT whatever you could. I, I have one of the IT backers or whatever. Like I was one of the 500 IT backers for Camelot Unchained. Hmm. Hmm. I see. I, it's weird because like uh, for a while I like really got into like what's the next, you know, what's the next WoW or whatever. And I really was looking for the, the next World of Warcraft there after I quit playing uh, in Lich King. I, I, there was a Gunstar or Queststar, Wildstar. Was a, it was a sci-fi MMO I, I was really, really interested in, and then it like came out, and I was like, ugh, gross. Um, I played a sure. ton of uh, of the uh, Final Fantasy Realm Reborn. Uh, that uh, That's actually a lot of fun, but that's because uh, I was playing a Dragoon. The worst melee DPS, but their rotation was like a 16-button rotation, and it's like sure. playing the fucking piano when you're DPSing, and I love that. Sure. I love gotcha. that. Um but uh, this is just like a little like uh, why why was Paladin tank my favorite tank in WoW because it had the biggest rotation. It's the most fun. <laughs> more yeah, buttons yeah. equals more fun. Every time I push a button that's generating threat, I'm releasing serotonin to my brain, saying I'm being awesome and forcing this monster to fight me so that my friendos can like pile on and kill it as fast as possible. Um, but real quick here, uh, welcome to Rantcast 79, everybody. Uh, I'm of course the magical Mister Mephisto, the most dangerous man in Age of Sigmar. A a uh, nickname actually coined by our very, very special guest tonight, Vince Venturella. How's it going, man? Hey, man. Good, buddy. Um, and I am calling this our excessive holiday special uh, because it is all rants, no rudder here tonight. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Slanesh. Uh, I, wanted, I wanted to just talk to you specifically about Slanesh because, man, Sigvald, I got a, I got a hankering. I saw that, like, like, I made eye contact with that model. And like felt like the specialist human in the world, and like we have a thing now. So sure. <laughs> so I want to talk yeah, a little no, bit. That's fair. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about about Slanesh, uh, from from your perspective, and then just kind of like see where the wind takes us, embrace some rabbit holes, and just uh, enjoy a good conversation. I don't even have the notebook tonight with notes, so that's how uh, that's how laza fair we're gonna be here. That's fine. I'll give you here, here's my quick MMO wrap up that we can maybe return to later, and then we can talk Slanesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You owe. A pretty decent amount. Uh, Dayok, quite a lot, but it was sl- it's a slow game. It was a very slow game. Uh, Star Wars Galaxies Hardcore with Big Ron and Big Ron's Big Bots. Uh, then I'm trying. Like I, I I'm not going to do these in order because it's hard to remember everything happening in order. Uh, but I'll, I'll hit the high notes. Uh, of course, wow. Uh, I played a rogue in beta. I played a because like I I was all in for like early betas and earliest access for any of these things. Yeah, same, beta, same. And then druid. Uh, druid in live and vanilla, which I got my that he went up to sixty, and then I captain left. 
came back later during Cataclysm. Yeah, that's right. And took a hunter up to a hundred or whatever the max was at that time. Yeah. Uh, which that was fun because I liked I liked zooming around the world and taming weird pets that looked pretty. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, lots of lots. The the two probably biggest investments were Warhammer Online. Uh, I did play a lot of City Heroes. Uh, yeah, there was a lot of City oh, Heroes. Oh, I, I missed like City of Villains. City of Villains. I I jumped in on City. I played City of Heroes for a little bit. I I was in that time period, like you mentioned, like beta testing. I like ha- like I was a chronic beta tester for MMOs. Like I had like sure. I had to like beta test the next one. Next one. I beta tested uh, uh, as a druid for WoW, and when live happened, I went warrior. Um, but like I, I mean, I just remember like. It was like a, it, it was like an addiction to like actually see those games like kind of come together, and I don't know. Um, yeah, but, I mean the first time you, if like I was on City Heroes from day one, and the first time you took flight, mm-hmm. like like literally mm-hmm. took flight, mm-hmm. like took flight. Mm-hmm. You know when you got flight and you slotted it, and the first time you activated it and flew, and their animation was so perfect, how you would like go and sweep and then you'd and start then to move up. forward, yeah. And it just like it felt like oh my god, this is what I've always wanted in a game. Uh, but yeah, anyways, so we can we can return to these late maybe later for some conversation. Played City Heroes, ton of time in Warhammer Online, huge amount of time, and lots and lots and lots of PvP there on both Horde or uh, Horde. Good night. Uh, on both. Um, Realize yeah, I'm going to need my notebook order. to track this conversation. Go on. <laughs> and uh, a lot of time in Lotro, uh, Lord of the Rings Online, huge amounts of time in that. I mean, I have like six 95th level characters in Lord of the Rings Online, um, and a lot of time in the new Star Wars: The Old Republic. That was probably the last one I was really deeply into. I think that was my last one too. So there you go. Uh, yeah, uh, it was fun. Uh, it was a fun. I we can we can dive into each of those in turn. I have fun stories from any of those uh, well, about what I loved about those games. Cities was actually so I I, I played Cities when it first came out, uh, playing a blaster. As I recall, I loved the uh, the time it was at the 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 uh, ice powers. I think it was like I was just like obsessed. They were really really cool. Like actually inspired. Like I wrote a little like brief comic book, um, and then I like fell out of it. and I came back with City of Villains. I made a character named Wraithwind. He looked like a fucking ghost, and he had the like the crazy blaster power, like Abyss or whatever. Loved that character. I was like obsessed with that. And that character had flight, and I remember that. Because you have your option to choose run run fast, right? Where you run and like you're just spamming over the buildings mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Uh, w- leaping, maybe. Like, was there like a super? Yeah, yeah, super or... jump. Super jump was an option. Yeah. Super jump, and then you had like flight. And I remember taking flight and just being like, like that like moment where like you describe. That was the game I was the most depressed when the servers went down. There was a moment. Sure. In 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 a in a MMO sort of like life time like. Uh, it happened with Star Wars Galaxies. I remember that, like uh, being around for that server close sort of party. Uh, I I remember that. That was the, that one and Nosgoth are the two games that hit me the hardest when I remember the servers going down for the like the live games. Sure. And it just like I remember the whole like all the city, all the villains and all the heroes like coalescing in like the capital city or whatever it was. I can't I can't remember. It was Star City or some shit like that. I don't remember. Like, just all coalescing, and then just, like, kind of, like, spamming emotes as the server came down. And I remember that moment. And I was just, like, the heart, the utter heart-wrenching, like, the heartbreak. You were talking to Rob today on Rob's show uh, about, like, the core of a game. And we yeah, yeah. we don't really know 
where that moment is that we've kind of er eroded it or gotten rid of the core of a game. We just it's it's kind of like it's kind of like pornography in the Supreme Court. You know it when you see it. Like we've gone yeah. too far, right? Yeah. And and I can't help but feel like when that happens to a game, like a I I had that moment with some like tabletop games with fourth edition. I had that moment, and that feeling is the same as when City City of Villain City of Heroes went down. Like that sure. same feeling of going like we've gone too far. We've the game is gone. Mm-hmm. And in one, it's a literal sense, and in the other, it's kind of more of a like an esoteric feel. Yeah, I got it. So, um, Paragon City, yes, yeah, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, yeah, we can dive into those. But do you want to start on Slanesh? You want to start with the, I, the, maybe we'll the actually TV talk about Warhams for that first thirty minutes where people actually watch the show, and then like, sure. and then we'll talk about yeah. Well. Uh, we're 45 minutes in, so hopefully you edit some of that pre-talk out, but that's fine. No, I've got a cold open uh, where there's a, si- a silent period. I'll edit that out for the video that mm-hmm. goes up, and then and then we'll basically it'll be an abridged version of the MMO talk uh, pitch, and then we'll talk with some slash. That's no one wants to know how the sausage is made, but <laughs> as you will, Matt. Right? It's your show, buddy. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, so yeah, new slash. I mean, yeah, Sigvald is amazing. Uh, I have no doubt he will be fantastic. I, um, this and, is, go ahead. No, this has happened twice in my my relatively to others short Age of Sigmar career. GHB 2017 is when I track it, so about three years. Game's five going on six years old, right? So mm-hmm. I've only been here for about half of it. Um, it has happened twice in my AOS career where I see a model and I'm like, I don't care. I don't care what the War Scroll says. Like, I'm in. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> you know, like, um, there, are, there are armies where I catch, like, some residual, like, oh, I love that. Like, I love KO, what they're doing. It's not my aesthetic, but... And I, that happens a couple times. It's been Osiric Bone Reapers. I was there for every single... I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. And then I saw Sigvold, and I'm like, finally, Catacros has a challenger for both Codpiece and, like, Magnificence, like, of a sculpt. And... Like, for me, it felt like a piece was missing to Slanesh. And I know in a very literal sense, mortal Slanesh has been missing. But right. for me, it's the human element of storytelling that's been missing from yeah, Slanesh. Sure. Mm-hmm. And that's what, when I saw Sigvald, and I love the fabulous kind of smug, self-obsessed character archetype. Like, I'm, I like, like the, the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, fabulous. Like, I am a big fan of that archetype of a character. The sure. um, Howl's Moving Castle. There's the poem. There's uh, with the main character Howl is like, it's like, yeah. what's the point of living if you can't be pretty? <laughs> and I'm just yeah. like, I love that character. Like, I love that character design. And Sigvald nails that. Um, I wasn't really on on Slanesh in the old world though. Like, I have no attachment to Sigvald as an old world character. I was 100% death, 100% vampire counts. Uh, I had like a dark a dark elf codex or a army book. That was like the extent. Skaven army book as well. That was it. So, as someone who is just kind of now jumping on the Sinesh hype train, like, what, what's, I, I'm going to start with Sigvold, because that's kind of like the poster, I think the poster child for how I feel about this army. Yeah, sure. What, do you have an attachment to it? Is that something that, like, a, a, like a, a tried and true ancient Sinesh player is like, yeah, hell yeah, we got Sigvold back, or could this have been a brand new sculpt, or, like... I think there is something iconic about him. Okay. Uh, now, I wouldn't have cared if, if he had given us some kind of successor to him. Uh, in the way that Catacross is is a uh, you know one hundred percent brand new, made for 
AOS. Yeah, but at the same time, he's an homage to other characters like him of somebody of of something like Cetra or somebody like that, right? He has a lot of the same the merit. pride and the yeah yeah yeah. He's not bending the, the knee the on that sculpt. And the titles and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, you know, I, and then we can argue about like how good of a successor he is and stuff like that. I you know, Cetra was ultimately defined by what he those he didn't follow, that he followed no one, right? And Catacross, however cool he is, he is still defined by the fact that he's a servant of, you know, one greater than himself, right? Well, he's... Which is, yeah, go on. It's neither good nor bad. It's just a part of the story. It's just a, an element of it, right? Mm -hmm. Service can be an interesting defining element of a story. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, Sigvald isn't that super old of a character. Uh, like, he's... Um, he doesn't go super far back. He comes from the 2000s, if memory serves. I couldn't remember the exact year, but I want to say the later 2000s. This is why I, could, I totally had no idea this. Yeah, like, this is a character I just... But in the 2000s, yeah, I, I'm playing... The early 2000s. I did, like, there was a novel. He was introduced... Phil Kelly created him originally. And I don't remember... I cannot for the life of me remember exactly what it was uh, off the top of my head. But at any rate... He's not a super old character, but he, he was a very impactful character. People liked him. He was interesting. He was very different for Chaos, because a lot of Chaos is just kind of gross. Yeah. Right, or ugly. And uh, Slanesh has this ability to not be ugly. Right? Like, things in Slanesh don't need to be ugly. Most of Chaos needs to be, and I mean this, like, in the, you know, early D&D comeliness style, right? Like, I don't mean, like, morally... I mean, literally, physically attractive, right? Corn, no, needs to be, you know, monstrous, right? swole and huge, and spikes coming out your back, and yeah, and, right. and skulls and, and blood, and yeah, exactly. And Nurgle, obviously not. That's off the table, right? That's got to be gross, and uh, and it doesn't always have to be corpulent. I think you can also have things that look uh, emaciated and famine and stuff like that, right? <laughs> But again, it's never going to be pretty. That's that would not be. You wouldn't if you had a Nurgle champion that was pretty. You'd be like, that's no, that's incorrect, right? Mm -hmm. Um, and Zinch, no, <laughs> you know, like well, Zinch is no. always like undulating, weird masses, right? Correct. Like you're it you're just has to be chaotic, and changeling, strange. shifting form. Right. Yeah, it can be weird and cool. Like the changeling is a super cool, awesome, sculpt, sculpt. right? It's yep. enigmatic. God Summoner is super awesome looking too. Yeah, 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 absolutely. So you can have you can have those kinds of things, but you can't have anything that looks in the traditional human sense of pretty. But Sigvald is pretty, right? And you can have things in Slanesh that are pretty, that are that are like aesthetically pleasing to the human eye. That's part of what Slanesh is all about. Well, right? the vanity aspect of it is like one hundred percent. Like you can you can almost map the like chaos gods, you know, a little bit to the Horsemen of the Apocalypse, a little bit to the Seven Deadly Sins, and they kind of absorb extra ones, right, or overlap. Yeah, sure. Sloth. They're, it, they're kind of their own thing that somebody made up in a probably drug fueled haze in the mid eighties, but, but well, after reading Michael Moorcock, but yes. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. And like it's it, it feels apt that the sort of vanity excess god the, the, again this this human element and i don't mean human as in mortal i mean this I human element yeah. of of like why would i in this this horrible dark and chaotic time where everything's just dying everywhere uh you know the gates to his ear have been locked the the mortal god that i'm supposed to worship is going to bail me out is just gone and i'm out in the wilderness and i kind of have to throw in with a chaos god or die 
right? Like I think about that that sort of human yeah. story, and I can imagine being that sort of martial, like martially, like hungry individual. Where, like I just want to be. I, I I wish to be the Achilles. I wish to be this this perfect, yeah, yeah. amazing soldier at everything I do, and I pursue excellence in that. And it takes over my physique because, like, not to be an excellent field, you know, general, and to be the best martial com- combatant ever, the best duelist. Like, you got you just become self obsessed. And I, I think about that human that falls to excess, and you look around, like you said, that there's stuff that's like ugly. You'd be obsessed with your stuff and be like, yo, I eventually follow this dude and I, I just get a bunch of tentacles and, like, rot bloat? Like, Yeah, no, pass. Hard pass. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like, the, I think that there's a lot more room to explore on the mortal side there of having things that are that are alluring. And I agree, Mogwai Man said that the mixture of being alluring and repulsive at the same time is unique for Slash. And I, I agree with that. I think a lot of the things that I tend to like in sort of miniatures and fantasy are things that are like perfectly set in the middle space between alluring and horror and, and horror right like repulsive whatever yeah it's a little it. little the the uh guillermo uh, del toro right like that like uh, that unearthly maybe a little yeah he pushes a little bit farther to the other side like he's more of like fairy tale fantastical strange right yeah a lot of his stuff when what i think of oh, is truly like the I think the the new keeper of secrets is one of the most perfect perfect, perfect. takes on this right the unearthly it's almost alien beauty right like yes 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 like you can see the forms of like human perfection and beauty in there but at the same time it's like that's creeping me out you know what I mean like yeah. it's this it's this perfect like it's as though you're standing what you want to be doing is you want to be standing in the center of like two ropes pulling you in the opposite direction, right? One making you want to recoil in horror and one making you want to reach forward in in sort of, you know, attraction. Kicker, Kicker has a great great take here. A Venus flies trap like that. Yeah. Um, it's very pretty and then, yeah, it closes on you. Yeah, so that's why I think Slanesh is the most interesting of the Chaos Gods. It's To me, it's the most multidimensional. To me, it's the one that best you, the, uh, that I see the most in the world. It's the one I can most easily identify with and figure out how humans would fall to. Yes. Um, it, like, everywhere in the modern world, I see the signs of, of Slanesh. It's not weird. I, I don't mean that in, like, a jokey way. I just mean, like... Uh, oh, do we got a Christmas ornament? Yeah, What's Lulu has made a cookie. or cookie decorating tonight. Very nice. So, Adorable. Yeah, thank you. She's actually a fantastic baker. If you follow me on Facebook, you've seen some of her stuff. She's really, really good. At... Well, it's a it's a good thing to have. Uh, Go on. It's a good thing to have a partner who's good at uh, who's good at baking. If you're not, that's a, that's not... a quality that's a quality step in a partner right there. It's it's weird because I am uh, I'm, I'm very good at cooking, and um and I'm I consider myself to be like I I I had the AP chemistry classes and baking is chemistry and all that stuff, it but is. there is something when it when it becomes baking that I'm hand, I have to just trust my ratios and stuff the way you do in chemistry. Um, it, it's just for, it, there's a weird disconnect that happens. Rabbit hole. Number one of the night, by the way, everybody, um, there's just this weird, like thing, this disconnect that happens when my hands are off and I just kind of have to trust the process of th- something I'm going to devour rather than just like prove a theorem. It, it's just like my brain twists on itself. And I'm like, I'm, supp-, you know, she's certainly more the passionate, emotional interesting one and i'm like the sort of boring logical guy in our in terms of our our relationship dynamic 
and sure. she's the superior baker by far. Uh, like I can't. So I, I think it's an, a great. We have a great dynamic of complimenting each other. Um, but yeah, back to back to Slanesh, uh The the otherworldly beauty. Yeah. The most human sure. side. It's it. I I'm a thousand percent there with you. I I. The, the people who fall to, like, some of the other Chaos Gods, I'm like, okay, yeah, it makes sense for, like, 1% of the population that is a serial... Less than 1% of the population that's a freaking serial killer or a war... Like, a gigantic war criminal to, like, worship corn. But the average human really doesn't have that capacity for violence. We we yeah, all... Pos- that's like the real feeder ramp. Like, you can see how people would so easily fall into it, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you drink too much. You party too much. You you try too hard at things, right? You want to be the absolute best. Well, I'm struggling with this right now. I'm I'm struggling right. with this right now. I don't know where to continue to be myself or to try to push the envelope a little bit harder for algorithm rhythm picking topics that are more uh, battle tome review and event coverage and doing stuff like that that would feed my thing. So like that pursuit of the self, like that that personal that human story. For me, Slanesh is the one that resonates. Like, I get it. The caricature, yeah. the hilarious one, is like, I do cocaine, right? Like, and you just do tons of cocaine, sure. and you're a rock star, so on and so forth. But, like, there's a very human, basic struggle there that I, I really I really vibe with with Slanesh. Yeah, the the point of it being that, you know, at the heart of Slanesh is success, right? That is what Slanesh is. It's success. Excess. Mm-hmm. That's literally what feeds the god. No balance, and, in other words. Yeah, correct. And, you know, that's just sort of everywhere. And uh, everything we've seen in the new models, that new caster, other than her weird left hand, which I don't know what's going on there. That's kind of a weird sculpt. Maybe it was just a bad angle in the picture. I don't know. Um, Like, other than that, she's gorgeous. Uh, The I like both of the new sculpts in the Twin Souls and the uh, Executioners. The Sexecutioners? Executioners, yes. Uh, Though I, though obviously you've got to, we got to do a little head swap on the twin souls. I think that's there's their the, heads didn't do it for me. There's the too weird. There's the one uh, that looks like a like a drama mask. I got where you were going. I'm just like yeah, yeah, no. <laughs> put put like, Harlequin masks on them from 40k, and you've got a you've got a winner winner chicken dinner right there. Right, right. Uh, that's that suddenly becomes an A plus unit. Um, but the you know with with those Harlequin faces, they would be so in perfect flavor for. To go along with a mask or somebody like that. This sorceress um, is amazing. Sorry, I just she really is. She's I, she's just beyond gorgeous. I found my Warhammer waifu. This is it. This is her. I'm sure. <laughs> sure. The you know, and obviously the the Slangor looks super cool uh, with more of an old school style uh, claw. N- the nice nod to the original armor, keeper, right? right? Yeah. Good, yeah, good intent. Absolutely. I think that was an intentional nod to to like the old keeper. I like the new keeper way better. In fact, I I disliked the old keeper, and they found a way to like appease that old aesthetic with a model that I'm like, yo. And there's the yeah. one that the one we've only really seen the face of that looks like a bulgore, yeah. and I'm like, mm-hmm. like I want to see what the the re- what the rest is. Like I'm just I'm so intrigued. Yeah, by I these. mean, my feeling is Slangore will end up being like three wound gore. Basically, right? They'll they'll be a little bit smaller than a than a bull gore, and a little bit and bigger than you know a gore. They'll ha- they'll be depravity engines. Hopefully, they have four attacks, so they slap some shit, right? Like three of. Three. We'll see. We'll see what their rules are. I like. I hope they like. We're we're getting a peek at stuff tomorrow for New Slanesh. I mean, unless I'm crazy wrong, uh, <laughs> but I mean, one would certainly believe that ten new units that we've seen eight or nine of behoove a new battle tome. Uh, well, it's it's hard for me to believe that 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 it won't. Yeah, there she is. Oh, gorgeous. Although that hand is weird, but yes. <laughs> um, 
it's funny though. Here, so so you've got the picture of the art up. So let's all look at the art. Oh, it's so good. Okay. Look now at the scroll back up. Just just real, just quick, real quick. My my two armies, OBR Slanesh, uh, these are going to be my two. Look at how sure. much she disapproves of you right now. She oh, just I like the love story that the game of Age of Sigmar needs is her and disapproving Samurai Man from Catacross's base. Like sure. their forlorn, like unrequited love story because she disapproves of him and he's finally found someone that disapproves of something more than him and so he's like in love but yeah, yeah. but she disapproves so thoroughly it's oh it's it's the new romeo and juliet all right scrolling up <laughs> so look at her now scroll back up to the zoom in on the model the face of the model this year uh right. yeah there you go yep like i think that they this is one of the few times where i think they like the model itself actually captures it better than the uh, than than even the art did. Like I feel like they improved upon the art in a big way because like her veil doesn't go as low. If you look at the art, like it's hanging way more down her chest. The veil is much more like a veil, like a traditional veil, rather than almost like her shirt looking like it's pulled up like this, which is what the art almost looks like. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's just like it's really really well done. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Well, for, for me, and, and this is relevant, um, for me, like, the thing that I, I found that, like, Age of Sigmar, where I think they're, like, they're just cracking home runs, is when they sort of start to do these, like, dark mockeries of their own stuff. Like, mm -hmm. ca they, they've got that image of Xantos next to the, what is it, Knight Encanter on Griff Charger, and, like, they're a literal dark mirror. Like, there's a little, like, Mistweaver Psy vibe going on here. Is, is, is that intentional, unintentional? Like... I think it's just probably, like, an aesthetic that they enjoy, right? I don't know that it needs to go any deeper than that. I don't think it's, this is the Mistweather. I don't think it's a conspiracy. This isn't conspiracy theory level. Um, but I do think that there's, like, where they're kind of using their own aesthetic to inform their other aesthetics, and they're kind of reinterpreting their imagery and going dark with it. Like, the uh, Sexecutioners, I don't know their proper name. Uh, it just won't stick in my brain because every time I go to remember it, Sex Executioner makes me laugh. Um, sure. I look at them, and they have like an LRL dark mockery going on, like they almost like a like a warden. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I think absolutely the intention is to have echoes of Slanesh in the elves, right? I think that's clearly intentional because the. You know, the elves in especially in Age of Sigmar are closer to Slanesh than they've ever been because the vast majority of the elves who are around, especially in the the realm under uh under Teclas and Tyrion, were souls drawn out of Slanesh's belly, right? So there's a there's a good reason why those sorts of designs are almost informed by them. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean this this goes back to the story side of things a little bit. Uh, I I'd love I I loved I want to keep talking models for a bit, but um the 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 thing that like Teclas Tyrion ultimately like land on is because they are uh, the el elves as a species pursue perfection, right? Like martial perfection, mental perfection, cultural perfection, like, and they keep kind of falling to Slanesh. This is their right. this is their cycle, um, and for once it feels like they've discovered how to fight that, and the the thing they've landed on in the story is like balance. You can't pursue all of that stuff. And Slanesh then is like, you're pursuing excellence of a podcast, excellence of martial prowess, whatever it is, and you don't have balance in the pursuit of that. And that's where Slanesh gets you. 
because that yeah. excess you go too excessively toward the thing you lose you lose sight of some of the other stuff in your life your life and the other things you're trying to balance and and I think that that for me I, I mean I think that this is I didn't play elves again old world Slanesh really they were just the crab ladies to me right like sure like <laughs> Cool, an STD joke. Like that was that was as far as Slanesh went for me back in the, in those times. Um, most of my enjoyment of Slanesh actually came from the 40k side of things because Doom Rider is fucking awesome and Noise Marines are metal. Like, sure, literally the most metal thing ever. They they shoot you with electric guitars. It's great. Um, <laughs> um, uh, it, so so I don't really like not a subtlety was not a. A component of the '80s design of uh, of 40k. No, it was not. But it was awesome. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying it's subtle. It is not. Yes. Right. Fair enough. Um, it is subtle. It is not. Right. And and so like for me like I again didn't really care much, but the story didn't feel like it had that that great of a like a hook and a engagement for me until this sort of like AOS AOSified it. Like, the, the elves versus Slanesh thing. I'm like, okay, yeah, Slanesh wants to eat all the elves, blah, whatever, old world, who cares, they're elves. And now I'm like, okay, go on. You know, like, I'm, like, stroking my goatee, like, all right, like, I want to hear, I want to see where this goes. Uh, I, I don't, I, I'm just intrigued. I think this is a way where they've, again, they're just like, bam, This they cracked a home run. This is a grand slam for me uh, in terms of we want more world development. We got Marathi actually, like, kind of extricating her godhood from Slanesh and mm-hmm. like it's it feels more compelling than it ever has. I'm I'm gonna stand AOS for a little bit over old over old hammer. I'm just I'm really pleased with this direction. Yeah, hundred percent because it's actually a good story where things can happen that are interesting. So you know that's nice. <laughs> Instead of being shoehorned into could, yeah. it's a thing you could never do in the old world. Um you could have like microcosms of stories that were interesting, but you could never tell big stories. Because the world was too locked, like the world stuffy. was what it was. Very stuffy, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Whereas here, we we finally we we have the space to to play in a big way, mm-hmm. and that's exciting. Huh. Frank, I see you working. No. <laughs> so, uh, where's the FAQ? Stop. <laughs> data data gif. Stop. Stop. Stop it. Stop. <laughs> He's just like choking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no. Yeah, uh, I mean, when are we gonna get an FAQ? Who knows? I don't I care. Probably not, the new year. It's fine. We're not playing real games right now, anyway. I, I don't. I don't care. Well, the Australians and New Zealanders would beg to disagree, but sure. They are not. Yeah, but they're the Galapagos Islands of of Age of Sigmar, so they're already kind of in their own evolutionary <laughs> chain. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, stay a while and listen. Stay a while and listen. Uh, thanks for the host there, Dice Dome. Um, speaking of Deckard Kane. Uh, yeah, I, I love that you're bringing up some uh, uh, some sports ball stuff here. Um, I'm all for the most Packers playing the most people and winning the whole time. So yes, chat gang, I will appease you. You got to appease the will of chat gang. You can't. <laughs> I have I have nothing to add here. I do not watch this game or know this game. So Fair, that's no, fine. no, that's fine. Um, oh no, it's Kane. Vince hates Kane. Yes. Um. Anyway, um, I I, I have a question. Because again, uh, so you've got like Skaven and, and Slanesh are kind of like the two armies I think that I've traditionally identified you with. Yeah, um, but Slanesh is your go ahead. Both are very close to my soul for for different reasons. Yes, Slanesh is your is your main one though. 
Uh, I don't know. I mean, I've had I've had Skaven longer. I I don't know that I could pick a favorite from amongst it. Both represent different parts of me. Like Skaven is wonderful, and I love everything about playing it. And I love the big crazy clans and the fact that it's chaotic and the fact that it's got all this wacky risk reward and the fact that there's so much. Just there's so much to it. It's such this deep, interesting, wonderful world, right? And I really love, I really love Skaven and everything about them and their attitudes and their the way that they view the world and just how weird they are and their technology and ninja rats. Like it's just it's just cool on top of cool on top of cool, baked in a cool burrito wrapped in a cool enchilada. It's like a it's a seven layer dip of cool in in Skaven for a bunch of different reasons. Sonesh is the one that I, I I just love the aesthetic of. Like aesthetically, there is nothing I love more than Sonesh, right? So if we're just talking about like evaluating the armies, what do I actually, you know, what are the models that are my favorite models? It's Slanesh, hands down, easy, not a, not any kind of competition there. That's okay. So so the 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 you know the hobby dad uh, paint dad Vince is uh, it's the models of Slanesh that really why yeah why like what is it. I, like I said, it's that perfect mix. So, for example, a lot of people bag on Damonettes. I actually think Damonettes are really great models. They're this wonderful little mix of where their faces are pretty but horrific. They have all these wonderful little extra things. I think they're just fantastically great sculpts. Uh, I think, you know, like we mentioned, the new Keeper. That would absolutely be my vote for most beautiful model in the in the last 10 years, mm-hmm. you know, of the decade. Um, the uh, harp player with the harp built out of the... the Amazing. Amazing. That's right out of my like straight nightmare fuel. I love it so much. That like Sileski is a is a gorgeous, you know, two models and the best love story uh in uh you know in uh second best. Who's the best? Uh, it, no, in Age of Sigmar. <laughs> I was gonna no, say in Age of Sigmar, not no, all of Warhammer. No, the the best, the best is disapproving. Vlad and Isabella, yes, no one hundred percent. Um no, the best currently in AOS is disapproving samurai man and and uh, <laughs> so still and ask are legitimately like uh, uh, are in a, a sort of relationship, whatever that means. For, for my my head cannon is as valid, man. You can't undo sure. this 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 ball of yarn up here. Hang on one second. You do you, buddy. Yeah, it's fine. But yeah, like I think when I look at the models of Slanesh, it, it there's just a there's a a bit of. There's a there's beauty and horror in equal parts in exactly a way that attracts me. Mm-hmm. I like things that are strange but beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean I I mean that in not any kind of gross sense. I mean that in in like the world itself too, right? Like the the vistas and the landscapes and the things that I find the most interesting are the things that are like strange and alien but also beautiful, right? Like the, those are the kinds of things that I enjoy out in the world. And I think those are the things that I enjoy in the models as well. I, I just can you, like those kind of, kind of feelings. Can you be specific? Are you talking like you're down with like some of the luminescent, bioluminescent, deep sea like scapes? Yeah, hundred percent. That's a great example, right? When you see these weird bioluminescing deep sea creatures, or like um, a volcano with black sky with pink lightning in it, right? Like that kind of of thing that's just so strange and otherworldly and alien, but amazing. Yeah. Uh, if you've ever been to like Yellowstone and actually seen you know, the the sulfur pools and stuff like that, right? Where they're like, they're so hot and deadly and you will just die if you if you were to go in them. Like, they look like the calmest, coolest, most beautiful, pristine water, right? 
but and they're they're full of these beautiful rainbows because of all the layers of sedimentation and stuff that have built up and the chemicals that are in there and yet it's completely deadly right like it's a horrible sulfur pit that will just kill you if you if you went in there you just melt yeah die, yeah right? the the geysers the geyser pits themselves like you don't even there doesn't need to be an active gush of water if you just fall there's a certain depth where you're just like you are dead you're vaporized right, yeah, correct yeah so it's just things like that, right, I think are interesting. Um, so when it comes to the models, they're just the ones that, that I think are are the most interesting to me aesthetically from every dimension, from what the core of my being likes. Don't get me wrong. Iron Jaws are super cool. I love my Iron Jaw army. It's great. I like big smashy orcs. They're fun, right? And, mm -hmm. and I enjoy painting them. Um, you know, I liked my Seraphon, and I like my Sylvaneth, and I like my, you know, the Zinch stuff that I have and the the city stuff that i have and on and on and on and on i like all of them uh i love slanesh right and, mm -hmm. and the aesthetic of that army does that make sense makes sense yeah exactly. there you go. boom yep. i got I, I picked it i'm i'm in i'm invested now vince there you go. <laughs> so i'm excited for a new book because you know uh the book itself was let's be honest a bit toxic uh, it was, I mean, it's to the point where I stopped playing it because it was just not fun to play against. Yeah. Shelf Slanesh hashtag, right? I, like, yeah. Hashtag Shelf Slanesh, right? When I put it away for months, like you played me in the only game I had played. That was the first time I had played that army. Who won that game? Like two and a half months. Uh, I believe you and you and Joe did, I think. As far as I know, because Tom let me down. As far as I know, yeah, yeah, I just had to reset that. Real I mean, I had crushed Joe's army into the dirt <laughs> and left nothing alive. Meanwhile, Tom, my partner, who was mostly fighting you, was uh, uh, failing. I believe is the correct word. Yeah, <laughs> and Joe had one model left. Yeah, and uh, and and you know, but Tom failed to seal the deal when he needed to for your. The mirrored my dog should have come on sooner. Able to get a secondary by bringing the chaos. Uh, stone over himself, which was a great play. Yeah, the, where I threw the rock into my own stuff to deny yeah, the secondary points. Right? Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, I, I think a second bite at the apple of a battle tome could be good. Um, honestly, I I, don't, I wouldn't care if we got Sylvaneth. I, it really wouldn't bother me. Like, I know that bothers a lot of people. I hate Sylvaneth. Well, I mean, like because Sylvaneth is so non-competitive or whatever. I hate Sylvaneth as an army because I hate playing against it. I find it always an awful game it, it's it's way down there hey hey it's relian hey what's up relian? Yeah, we got relian here re-rolling ones jack uh is oh hey jack what's up buddy how you doing merry christmas to both of you guys merry christmas to everybody to yeah gang by the way i yeah. know it's christmas eve but yeah that's it's... uh i want to say merry christmas everybody i miss all of you uh very much uh so yeah i'm very this this has been a crappy year of not seeing all of my friends uh, at any rate, um, yeah, so I mean, that was the first time I had played that army in like two and a half months, you know, mm -hmm. and I didn't play it again until we got the winter FAQ or whatever. Um, There's... and go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, because it just, it wasn't fun. It was a negative experience. So I, but if we got Sylvaneth and the army got would just toned down to be weak, I'd be like, yeah, fine, whatever. If well, I right... can play a list I like, I wouldn't care. Right now it's, it's, I mean, they got the like. They got the almost appropriate six nerfs, like the the uh, what is it? Penta, uh, Sept is, is seven. 
We're at five nerfs. We're at five solid nerfs right now. Oh, not quite to the not quite to the Sladesh number. <laughs> like, no, one more. That could be the book. Yeah, the book is the, the book sixth. Is the one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Keeper of Secrets like just loses the amount of wounds and attacks on his profile. Like, ugh. Sure. Just, yeah. <laughs> the, you know, like, yeah. The reason I hate someone else just to return this is because I hate their woods. Yeah, their woods are just a terrible mechanic, and literally, I just hate them fiddling with their woods, futzing with their woods, trying to get their models in their woods, playing with the woods, and you know, it's just like well, the tip touching, which you're very they, adamant they, they about play, how much you hate. Exactly, they play five hours of tip touching. Uh, it's not like it's a hard army to beat. I don't care. Like competitively, it's fine. I've won most of my games against Sylvaneth. It's just a terrible play experience. Like most of the games I hate are just games where I'm like, "Ugh, this is a bad play experience" because things aren't happening to a sort of speed that I would want it to happen. Right? Yeah. Um, well, I, I agree play with you. A lot, and that doesn't bother me that much because my friends become fairly adept at like switching his pinks for blues and his blues for brims. And other than that, I don't mind playing against each. But, like, playing against Fire Slayers is an utter nightmare. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Worst experience. Really? Uh, no, I mean, we, we, we're we in agreement with, like, the broad like the broad opinion. I do think the game should skew more offensive than defensive. Things yeah, yeah. should actively happen. I, I agree with that 100%. I just think you're allowed to have a couple exceptions. You, the tank <laughs> army is a, is a thing that a certain, like, uh, mentality of player wants to see. Like, there are... And so you got to have a couple of those armies. But, like, the game shouldn't skew towards tank meta ever oh i don't care i don't mind as much fighting tank type armies it's not that that truly bothers me it's it's hearthguard berserkers <laughs> it's, it's fighting it's fighting a tank that somehow also just doesn't stop i'm punching a literal tank with well, my fist you, it's just gonna roll forward over me well i i see i like i i like those inevitability armies i think this is why obr is like uh, a lot Obrian more balanced this is we are simpatico scumbags like top lions <laughs> play tank meta that's exactly right yeah that's right yeah tanks do have big guns though i, I think of tank uh, ideal tank armies are inevitable not not like the problem with fire slayers is they can be exactly where they need to be like once and that can determine the fight or that determines the game usually because they're just like all right boom there's the teleport something like um like the bad form of Nurgle we might end up in. I'm I'm not convinced, like, Blight King spam is is just the most toxic thing ever, but where you're super fast, super tanky, super, super killy, right? Like, you gotta, if you're gonna be the tank, you gotta be, tanks roll slow, right? Yeah. The whole thing is, like, we gotta, it's like a classic war movie where, like, the tank, you can see it on the horizon, and it's, like, popping shots off and taking out a wall here and there. But, like, really what it's about is, like, at some point that tank's going to arrive and it's over. So we got to get take care of the mission before that tank gets there. That inevitability of me, for me, is, like, what tank a tank playstyle feels like. You get the you get the treads rolling, you get to go in motion, and uh, you are inevitable. And it's, can your opponent deal with that before the inevitable happens? And I am... I like that for, like, a tank army. Fire Slayers, I feel like they accelerate that unacceptably. And the bad yeah. form of Blight Kings would do that, too. Sure, I mean, just make Earth Guard Berserkers 480. Tom was wrong on the show, and I'll say that forever. <laughs> um, fine, I don't care. Like, competitively, they're already whatever they are, and it's not like they're not the most competitive army. Again, I, I rarely rate things on competitiveness unless they're way outside the bounds, like initial zines release or something, which was just so far outside the bounds of reality, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so like it's fine. The the 
you know, when you look at the armies that I enjoy playing, it's like, okay, what are the armies that I've enjoyed playing the most mm-hmm. over over my years of, of, of AOS? Let's keep it to that, right? Yeah, yeah. The armies I enjoy playing the most are like my Iron Jaws, which are purely a, a sort of a purely offensive type army. And uh, I mean, I play them tactically. I don't always charge round one. I'm not like, oh, you're I, not a monster. You know, yeah, go. <laughs> I, like, if you want to win, that's a really dumb way to try to win. Like, you, you still have to, it's freeing you from the shackles of a bunch of other garbage to just like make the perfect offensive hammer. But a hammer still has to be, you have to still hit the nail. Right. <laughs> or you're not doing anything. Right, right. Okay. So, like, you still got to line up your shot. A take similar to this has gotten me in trouble before, so I'm glad you said it. <laughs> And yeah, I mean, if if you're just somebody who's like, oh, because I'm playing orcs, I must charge round one. Well, okay, it's fine. I mean, if the position, if your position presents itself, and like a player sets up early, oh, and I can win on round one, of course I'm going to charge. But I'm yep. saying like that shouldn't be your default plan. Your default plan, like with any army, should be this is how I set up, and this is how I play, and I react to the situation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then my Slanesh, right? I truly did love, like I loved playing Slanesh, especially before I realized just how bad it was. But, like, being able to be highly offensive to go in and just shred units. Like, that's what I want. When I attack, I want to see something removed. If somebody attacks me back and removes my thing, like, if, if the next turn they counterattack and remove my toy, okay. Yeah. Like, that's fine. That's, you know, I then I set up poorly or should have had a chaff wall in place or should have countered your counter or whatever. Or right? or yeah. you made the, the tactical decision to, like, sacrifice the, the bishop for the big, big pl- yeah, player. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm going to get your queen with my bishop. Yeah, exactly. Um... So, <laughs> yes, I remember that game really, and that he wanted 18 minutes with eels. <laughs> yes, and when the, when the opportunity presents itself, you alpha, right? Um, mm-hmm. You know, those are the things I enjoy the most uh, as far as just fun I've had. You know, like I played a very different daughter's army. Like I was rolling snakes when there was no Cobra Kai, and that was a much harder. Speaking of Cobra Kai, January first, get it in your body. Oh, absolutely. So, the, the fact that they actually had uh, Johnny move up the date to in the, in the little promo, like just having him be like, nah, and change the date is so good. I was yeah. like, oh, good. Well, I know what I'm doing New Year's Day. <laughs> right. Um, Go on. So, um, the, you know, like in the end, the, you know, when I played my doc and I was playing Snakes and playing like a Razor's Edge version of docs, like I had zero, zero Witch Elf blocks. Mm-hmm. You know, I had two tenors of Sisters of Slaughter as chap. Everything else was stakes. So you, it's a razor's edge army. You make one wrong move, you die. You're on a knife's edge. Right. And those kinds of things, I just, it was okay. Like, I enjoyed, I think it's a beautiful army, but it wasn't really in the passion. And then the other one is just Skaven. I like playing Skaven because I like to watch craziness happen. Right. You talk like, about Wheel of, your Wheel of, uh, Wheel of Doom take is one of my, like, favorites. Yeah. I, I love, you know, just like, Playing Doom Wheels and firing off overcharged warp lightning cannons and like rolling up a double strength uh, rattling gun and watching it evaporate itself, right? <laughs> like, this is the fun of the world. Like, it happens. You're like, well, I'm going to cast this and go for a D6. Oh, I failed. Oh, I killed myself. Oh, whoops. You know, like, that's. that's. <laughs> it's weird because you talk like you you talk like a spike and sometimes a Johnny. I think Tom takes a lot more like the Johnny spike. You're like a spike Johnny in terms of talk. But your play feels a lot more like a Timmy. Like I'm a Timmy Spike. I'm 100%. Like, I'm a 75 Timmy, 25 Spike. This is why you and Hay will get along uh, really well, because he's a, he's like a Timmy Spike, essentially. Yeah. Like, I, I want to use the, the, the big toys that I want to use and win with them. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's my, like that's what I want. I want to, I want to win with my big toys. Mm. 
And that's why, like, that's why the initial launch of Slanesh blinded me so, and I was so biased and wrong, was because, I mean, it hit me, like, in the exact spot. Like, it married my psychographic profile so exactly. Like, it was as though Don't... someone with a deep understanding of what's in the core of my being yeah. wrote a book. Yeah. Right? Well, well it was uh... dead on. Oh yeah, no, like, I get to play with four, like, the Hero Hammer side of, of Slanesh doesn't offend me. Like, I, again, it's it's good to have exceptions. We don't want every army to be Hero Hammer. But, like, right. do I want to play with three Keepers of Secrets? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's the cool, it's one of the coolest sculpts in the entire game of Age of Sigmar. Yeah, I want to run three of them. And then, like, uh, Epitome, a, a Harp Lady that I summon on, and maybe the Mask and Seleski, like... Yeah, yeah. I, I never ran the triple the trip keeps even in like I, I never took trip keeps as my army. Nor did I ever use thermal double rifles, by the way. Double. I, yeah. yeah, I always used double. That was my army. It was Doubles, double keeps. Double keeps and well usually it's like two keeps and 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 then you take um Shalaxi. So that was your three keepers. Um sure. yeah. But I like again run. again, like I, I want to play four dragons the army. I don't want it to be sure. like oppressively unfun for my friend, but like you're like, hey, here's an army that can play four dragons and be a three and two. You're hoping on a lucky break, and you're hoping that you're roll you're running hot, and you can you can take it all the way. Yeah, I I play that army. I like. Sure. Um. So 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 I don't think that it was wrong, and I, I don't. Uh, I like that you're throwing yourself on the sword here. Uh, from your take, I think people got fatigued against even trying to solve the puzzle of Slanesh. Uh, to an extent, like it exacerbated it. That army wasn't unbeatable. It's just the the mental investment to beat it. We just tapped out as a community because it well, was. Like, we saw some stuff. Nothing is unbeatable right. in, the, in the broadest word because just that's not how this game works, right? But things can certainly be very unfun to play against, mm -hmm. and things can also have like certain armies where their the matchup is is quite literally ninety ten, assuming other. Things being roughly equal. Yeah, and I've That's got not, right. and I've got five games today. And do I want to in in invest in getting that ten percent? Right, like, do I want to invest? Uh me, the gamer, yes, I do. But the average player, no. I like solving puzzles. Some people don't. Like some people sure. hate puzzles. They just want to push their models. Turn one, their Iron Jaws army up. Turn one and go for the alpha. And like, you know what? Cool. Because I want to drink beer too. I want the game over quick. That the the, the thing part of the the. At its core, you know, just talking about like the sort of like, um, uh, not prime directive. That's Star Trek. Um, <laughs> your uh, your sort of like baseline principles. Uh, your your first principles of the army: live fast, like die young. Right. Slanesh feels like that's kind of like a core principle of the army, and uh, you know, being like ultimate alpha glass cannony. That doesn't feel like a bad design space. The problem. Part of the problem was is like you got to have some throttle mechanism. You got to have some way to keep them in the game for uh, if the dice don't go your way or you deploy wrong once, and like you got to have something. So like depravity was overtuned. The damage, the sheer damage they do as an army was like quite high, and they had too much resilience. It's the same thing where like tank meta is not a tank army is not a problem. A tank army that's also the best damaging army is a problem. And they were secretly tanky in that they just kept getting their army back. And I think that was well, really where, where go on. Yeah, go. I mean, exactly. You're talking about an army with, with zero defense, right? What actually killed it, or what, you know, what it actually was doing. I shouldn't say killed it. I'm saying, you know, what it, 
What it actually was was that it was just very hard to catch it flat-footed. You had to, like, triple-charge things to beat them, mm-hmm. right? Like, if you didn't triple-charge a keeper, she was probably going to kill both of the units you put into her. Like, statistically, she walks away from that fight because she just sidestepped all of the defenses, right, by just saying, well, you fight last, and this other thing is going to kill it. And then what I'm going to do is I'm going to go, I'm going to kill this thing and then fight again and then kill the other thing that I made fight last, and that's the end of the day, right? Or the contorted epitome is there and is going to take a double shot at making things fight last or whatever, right? And so that's where the problem lied. It wasn't that... It wasn't that it was too resilient. It's that there was no interplay. It was like the definition of what most people, I suspect, again, survey forthcoming whenever I get off my butt and write the survey. Uh, about the NPE. NPE. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is this is something I personally struggle with because uh, I don't think we have a I don't think we have a common a common definition of NPE as a community. You and I, I think we're on we. Uh, it's it's the Supreme Court pornography thing again. I know NPE when I see it. Right. Um, right. But I think that there's a more complete definition. Um, I think player agency is is chief and kind of uh, tantamount to what NPE is. Uh, you got to be able to make decisions. Um, I split hairs with folks because I think the decision making starts at list building. Um, I think decision making starts at like with some tournament decisions you make. Um, but like it, it, but that's a very tournament focused observation and. I had a conversation with um, of all of all folks, um, uh, Greg from the the American ETC team, and uh, he talked about and uh, it's just it's probably good colloquialism for what you you often talk about. But he talked about like the health of the mid tables, and I was just like, yeah. you know, like I kind of leaned back in my chair uh, and I had to kind of like kind of reappreciate like looking at the game, uh, and then this goes ties into like the platonic state of AOS conversation I, I had with. I shouldn't say I had with Tyler. Tyler and Brendan uh, did an excellent episode. Uh, I'm going to self self haunt. Other folks who go check that out, and like that kind of like culminated in this this what you call the fat middle, uh, I think, which is the kind of common parlance now of our community. But this notion that like healthy middle tier games, that's the thing that that our design, our first principles design, should be focused on. And so like, Slash was beatable. I, I have a 50-50 with it, and it's, and it's most powerful with shit like Beasts, Beasts of Chaos and a post-nerf Legions of Nagash, right? Like, I was beating the army. I was, I'd say I was beating the players. Here's what I would say. If, like, team game aside, okay, and like that I love game, team games. Absolutely. That's because they, it is the great equalizer. Like, if we're back to, like, pre-nerf slash, and you were running Beasts, and you were playing... Like, this is just knowing our relative skill level. To beat me with my Slanesh army, you would have had to have your best day ever. I'd, uh, For me to beat you, I would have had to have a normal day. Like, I, I sliced my I, way I, I take I take in, issue with that, but go on. Incredible players. Like, I played plenty of beast armies. You know how many of them I lost to? Single? Zero. Because it's just, it's it's not an army I could lose to. I can touch every unit and kill it in one turn. They can't stop me. Mm-hmm. I can cre- easily create a bubble where they're not behind, where I can summon into anything I need to behind myself. Nothing they're doing is stopping me. Their speed isn't a factor for me because I can match them on speed. Weird. Like the units don't matter. You're not gonna su- you're not gonna out summon me, and nothing in their hits hard enough to scare me. No, but- the, uh, the way I beat 
beat other Slanesh players is by speed bumping them and pretending combat didn't matter. Just going like four inches, four inches, four inches, and just like here you go, fight 120 models on the table. Like sure, I understand. And and I I I played like huge horde armies and never had a problem. I mean, huh. it just it's because that's that's somebody who doesn't know how to go after the right objectives. Mm-hmm. Like you slice a game a lot. That's just more bodies I'm going to collect. Mm-hmm. Okay, like and it's a question of all I need to do is sit back and do the math. Like I can kill this and this and this. I'll put I'll I'll take all my forces. I'll echelon left. I'm going to drive a wedge into the heart of your forces. I don't need to fight 120 dudes. I need to fight 40 dudes, and I'll wipe those in a round. And that gives me these two objectives, which will slow your gain by this much. And then from there, I'll sweep right. I'll kill your next 40 dudes. Now I'm up on objectives, and then I'll kill your next 40 dudes, and I win the game. Mm-hmm. And right, like, the problem is is that it's people who, like, in at that NASHCON tournament, where, I mean, the only person, like, the, the, the army that, that beat me, okay, was an army that I knew would always beat Slanesh. And it was something that didn't exist in the meta at the time, which was a tank army. There were no tank armies in the meta. Tank armies stopped Slanesh dead. Like, the only two things that really stopped Slanesh when it was firing was somebody with overwhelming amounts of ranged firepower, which didn't really exist at the time it came out, mm-hmm. and ultra armor. Like, ultra armor, somebody who's going to plow forward with, like, a bunch of two-up rerolling ones or three-up rerolling ones. Well, fire slayers and staunch cast, out. like, weird builds of staunch cast. Yeah, exactly. Yes. And what it was a staunch cast I built, it ended up beating me. Like a 2016 staunch cast, Slanesh couldn't, I couldn't do it. Because I put, like, I could not crack the nut. Right? I didn't have the firepower, so I'm not doing wounds. I'm losing, I'm resummoning. But in that, he's just, the tank just keeps rolling. Right? And every time. Inevitability, baby. Losing. Yeah, it really was. It was the inevitable. And that's not like, that's not a crack on you, Math. Okay. In, in saying that, I'm just saying, like, I lost zero games against corn players. I lost zero games against BOC players. And I played that army dozens and dozens of times. Okay. <laughs> because, and you know, good players, it was just too good. <laughs> it had all these golden parachutes. That's right? a like, problem for army design. When, when I know for a fact that I can just like, I will be summoning two keepers of secrets in this game. <laughs> That's going to happen. I'm going to put another 700 points of keepers on the table. Well, you, and and you and you play and you play knowing that, right? This is this is just yeah. knowing your your strategy going. I know your win stroke. I can, you you yeah. just you count for it. You're like this is part of my. And win. I know exactly like what is this keeper capable of doing, right? If I pile in twice, if I locus on a two up, you know what am I going to accomplish? How much am I going to kill? Is this part of why you hated my army, Osiric Bone Reapers, because they were a, a tank army that naturally beat it? No, I'm no, sad. no. It didn't obviously have anything to do with match, but you're right. It would have. Like it, it absolutely does. Like it's 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 a real challenge. OBR is a huge challenge for... for o- OBR loves uh, uh, alpha, like, uh, fast alpha, like, damage armies. Like, sure. I, I wish I was... Wait, you just moved 16 I- inches across the table and, like, charged into me? Yeah, you got 16 inches closer to cool. me. Cool! Yeah, thanks. Like, I, I, like I, I actually kind of, like, enjoy that. Like, the way you beat me is by not doing that, you play the table and you start... Like, you have to, like, actually start thinking a counter to what your army usually does to beat me. Because if you, like, charge me as the tank army, I'm like, thanks. You basically, like, it's it's that, like, uh, that camera trick that, that um, uh, um, Hitchcock came up with, where he, where he the, the Hitchcock zoom, it's literally called that. Yeah, where, yeah. Like, you, you put the tracks on the camera, and you have the camera zoom in while you pull the camera back. What they do in Lord of the Rings, yeah. Yeah, and, like, you literally, like, your army just did that for me. Like, you did the Hitchcock zoom. Like, the, the table yeah, yeah. just shrank, and you were, like, in my face, and I'm like, let's go. Let's fight. Yeah, 100%. 
So, like, again, none of this is... And, and by the way, I'm not, like, saying I'm the best freaking player in the world. I'm not. Like, I have a relative confidence in my own skill. I know I know the level of good I am. Mm -hmm. And, like, I am a decent player. Uh, and... Uh, but, like, my, my point with that statement of, of the Beast of Chaos was to say, like, that was the problem. You didn't have to be on your best day to beat significantly tougher armies with that army right you just yeah. have to be on an average day like okay another yeah what do you got here this thing yeah fine okay i'll beat that whatever great i you know like it's gonna happen uh i'm just gonna play forward and then i'm gonna do this and this and this oh that roll failed who cares i've got three other rolls i can make to back it up oh there we go oh i lost keeper who cares by this point i'll summon that and a new exalted chariot I'll charge you with both. Yep. Okay. One of them got there. That's all I needed. Now that unit's wiped out. I control this point again. I win. Game over. Are yeah. we done yet? Well, like, the the problem with a uh, beast of chaos as an army is that it's mentally fatiguing. I have to be locked in every every game all the time. Yeah. To to win yeah. with that army. That's why it feels like it's it's not good. Uh, like you look at like cities of Sigmar as a toolbox army. Skaven as a toolbox army. I think Skaven is probably the healthiest. Um, it's not the healthiest in terms of like war scrolls that are just kind of dead weight in that book. But in terms of like its its general like this is a three this is a quintessential three and two toolbox toolbox army that has the power to not have a bad matchup, you know like uh, eels I guess. But for the most part, you're like you look at you survey the meta and you go, I've got a plan for that, right? But you have to execute it. Um, and that's the power of toolbox armies that agency that like feeling like I'm always making decisions. Beast of Chaos, it's not just like I've got a plan for that army to beat it. I literally have to like execute my plan. And then hope nothing goes wrong the whole way. Because if anything goes wrong ever, it's over. Right. Right. Like, and, as, yeah, and that's my point. Then that's unfor <laughs> it, it, it's, it just feels unforgiving and punishing as an army. And that's the flip side of the Sonesh thing uh, that you're talking about. Where, like, you don't have to have your best day ever. And you're just, like, crushing great players. Right? Right. Yes. It, I'm, I'm, yes, exactly. Like, <laughs> uh, it's, it's M. Bison. For you, the day that I came to town, mm. the rest of your life, right, was the most important day of your life. For me, it, it was, was a Tuesday. Tuesday. It was Tuesday. <laughs> like the fucking right? Raul like, Julia. Like, yeah. me, me seeing <laughs> other armies of anybody piloting them, it's like, okay, cool. That was the expected outcome. Yeah. Like, you were supposed to lose. Mm -hmm. Right? Um. Again, not because I'm such a good player, because that army was so outside the norm that I, you know, you don't have to be like that dialed in. The the one of the hardest games I ever played with my Slanesh, and uh, and obviously this was a uh, was was against uh, fully tooled up FEC, mm -hmm. right at at Nashcon. This is like pre nerf FEC going hard into the paint with uh, you know with Gristlegore, right? Piloted by a great player. Uh, where it was like, okay, one wrong move and everybody's army explodes, right? <laughs> because we're both wielding these nuclear weapons. Yeah. And it's like, step wrong, you explode. That's it. You know, well, it was the, the, the mutually assured destruction <laughs> of like Slanesh Flesh Eater Courts. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was a, an insane game. And I was one of the ones I'm very proud of, of pulling out the W in. But boy, was that a a, a game of games! Like I, I literally collapsed against the wall when that game was over because I was so stressed huh. from, from going down to the wire on it. No, um, I... So the the point you made earlier, I think, is worth reiterating. When I talk about things that I find unhealthy or as NPE, 
I'm very rarely talking about competitiveness at the top tables. Because as I have said many times, I don't care about those people. Okay? If I'm up at the top table... I love you, Relian, by the way. Merry Christmas. Oh, I care about you. But go on. <laughs> Relian doesn't need me looking out for him. No. Because Relian can, can go 4-1 and almost 5-0 with Night Hunt. Okay? Relian's good. He's yeah. fine. He's yeah. one of the best players in the country. Okay? Yeah. Um, Like... He doesn't need us looking out for him. He no, he's is... like the, he's like the Chuck Norris of AOS right now. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a couple of people like like Bill Sousa and people like that, right? That are just so amazingly good, and um, a lot of them in the Midwest. I don't know you, the rest of you people. I'm sorry, you're the, you know, whatever. Um, but Midwest is best. So uh, the but the trick is is that actually what what I'm concerned with is what's going on at those mid tables. Because if those people are down there having a bad time, right? If those people are, because they, you know, we always say all else being equal, right? That's always the all thing skill. We have the dice are running average. Go on, yeah. Right. <laughs> but that's not what it is at the mid tables. The skills aren't equal. Many of those people aren't very good players. And I don't mean that in some insulting way. I just mean that's not why they're there. They don't care to be. No, there. they came they, here. This was an excuse to get away from the family, and and to have fun. Five, five games and drink beer. That's it. Yeah, that's that's. They didn't show up to like have some epeen measuring contest, right? Like that's not what it is. They're there to have a good time, to roll some dice, and if they're having a terrible time, right? If they're down at the there tables, playing yeah. games that are terrible, the game will atrophy. Yeah. Right. Good players can tackle anything. They can adjust. They'll they'll already have tuned their list. They'll already have made the changes. Yeah, you're playing. You're you're playing the out of left field 2016 staunch cat list just because you're like my chances of running into Slanesh are. Uh, it's basically an inevitability right now, uh, and I'm just gonna shit at every Slanesh players. I've made this my goal this weekend is to show up and like shit on Slanesh players, like which is something that some of us uh, Johnnies do. Like we just like because for us it's expressing something and. Right. Oh, and boy, did he do it too. Let me tell you that. I was a <laughs> player, by the way, that he put in the dirt, just to make that clear. Uh, that guy, he killed his way through three, two other Slanesh people to get to me and then beat me. Uh, so, you know, there you go. Yeah. No, that's a fantastic, uh, that's a fantastic Johnny, though. Like, I'm just like, you just like Mark Slanesh, you know, most wanted poster, and you're, you're the bounty hunter from the, from the Ultima Online jokes earlier. Like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, the best part about it was, too, he didn't do it because he thought he was going to play a bunch of Slanesh. He did it because he was like, that's the list I wanted to run. It's what I had painted. So I just brought this. Like, oh, well, God. <laughs> no. <laughs> good for you. you. You, you've chosen wisely. Yeah, you've chosen wisely. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's fantastic. Uh, no, they, it's, uh, health of mid tables. This is this was my eureka moment. This is why it it has nothing to do with the seven thousand dollar bribe I received for charity to change my opinion on Petrifex Elite. It really was I had this eureka moment about the health of the mid tables. Um, uh, one thing I'm I'm I like about me as a human is that I am able to change my opinion on things. I don't. In politics, it's like you're a, you're a flip flopper, and it's the most disgusting thing ever to change your opinion on shit. But as a human, I think it's it's important to live your life with a healthy dose of of Cartesian doubt that everything you know might be wrong, and and to like kind of run self diagnostics and 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 run checks on yourself. And and the the mid table health because I took a more too much of a tournament like 
beauties in the aggregate sort of look at Age of Sigmar balance. The the hard RPS were like, oh, dude, it's, it's fine if you have like a hard loss. You just dodge or get good at the matchup and or like tailor your list for it. And you get a little bit worse against your matchups. You should win, but you get a little bit better at your hard matchup. Like I took a, a totally like zoomed out view of the game and talking about platonic AOS, which for me is like is is like the the blue collar AOS, the the working man, the working man or woman's AOS, right? Like the diner yeah. AOS. And yeah. that's the part that needs to be healthy more than anything yeah. else, because the top table will still, the top table, if the mid tables are healthy, the top tables will still solve themselves as well. They're bringing stuff to like pot shot at each other because uh, those players are known commodities. You know, this person has a proclivity towards death armies like Bill Souza, or you know, yeah. uh, like you're gonna you're gonna vibe on all that. They're already gonna go ahead and and do that, and then they're gonna try to beat the jungle and, and see each other in the top tables. The mid tables is where the soul of the game exists. Yeah, 100%. I 100% agree. And and it's because, I mean, just the sheer numbers. You Like, a tournament that's only with top tables is a very small tournament, right? Because <laughs> that's 10 people. That's it. That's the top tables, Yeah. right? So, like, most people at a tournament don't exist in the top tables. If you want a healthy tournament scene, it better be everybody who's not at the top tables still wants to show up next time because they outnumber you, like, 8 to 1, mm-hmm. right? Uh, so, you know, those, those people who are, who are up there are probably going to be up there next time too, because AOS is a very skill driven game, right? Like the, that statistical More s- regression that somebody did was like JP. 85 to 90% of uh, wins. JP Janus, yeah. Uh, or yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm sure how he pronounces his last name, but yeah. Yeah. He did a, yeah. JP did a great little graphic there. Um, more skilled than I think we, our initial reads were, uh, like we thought that like, yeah, if I show up with Sinesh, I just beat you. And I know uh, that's a bad example. If I show up with the better army, I just win. Was like the 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 preconception. Or that randomness has a big concern with it, or something like that, right? That 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 actual randomness is determining a lot of it, and and really that's just not the case. And it's easy to like where that's the case, where randomness makes the determination is Equal. deciding who's well, who's third and who's sixth. Yeah, that's where randomness often matters. Well, this is right. Because when you got two people playing like ultra tooled AOS at the top table and they're both playing their best game, might play like relatively mistake free game. Right? And so then what's going to actually make the difference between who gets first and who gets fifth Dice. is oftentimes luck, right? As Dice or what matchups you had that day, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like some kind of thing out of your control being being the idea, right? Well, and and so that's, that's that's ideal for me though. That... Same, yeah, you see the same people over and over again in the top ten, but you don't see the same person every time in the top place. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? What I'm saying, like, I always knew this was skill driven because if you look at most tournaments and expand beyond the top three, and you just look at the top ten for a given region, you're going to see the same people over and over and over and over and over again, consistently being in the top ten. Well, it's it's harder. It's it is harder to quote unquote luck sack your way into the top position to winning a tournament in Age of Sigmar than it is in Magic the Gathering. Magic the Gathering, if you're on the right deck and catch the right matchups, it, provided you have the base skill level of that game, you're fine. You picked the right deck. You you picked Miracles, or uh, actually, uh, Can Thresh was I think the worst offender of this. You were you were Can Thresh and you played the card. When it was available and you just had the right matchups, you could skate all the way to the top. Um, it's a simplification, but uh, like AOS, like you can be on Slanesh and fuck your deployment, and you, just, you like lose the game. 
Like sure. he, even OP. Well, maybe not OP. The most OP Slanesh, but like. Oh, I think it was it was one of those things that was highly possible. Like it was a very setup dependent army. Um, Especially like, if you're doing the the like the quote unquote three kings sort of build, right? Like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if you go back and watch. My setups are very careful. It's something I spend a lot of time on. Like setup was a huge part of the game to me in my Slanesh army. It's something that I uh, that I always paid a lot of attention to, and mm -hmm. something that I was very serious about. So yeah, yeah. Um. Hmm. Uh. Good night, uh, night Frank. Yeah, night Chat King. Thanks for hanging out, man. So yeah, I mean, to me, I I am excited for what this new book will bring because one of the interesting things about the original army is that it was almost hero hammer by default. Mm -hmm. What I mean by that is like, when you look at what was, what was actually released for that army when, when, when Slanesh got its first release. Oh yeah. The new, the new, the, you're talking about like the new book came out and like we, new sculpts and stuff like that. It was all heroes. It was epitome. It was, it was, uh, the, 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 the harpist, the harpist, the yep. epitome, the new keeper, right? Like tons of heroes and then some fiends. Right. And so like your other choices of stuff were basically like the non hero versions of chariots, right? They were just also a hero sculpt. Daemonettes, which are terrible somehow. Somehow they continue to be so terrible, even though it's so funny to me because Daemonettes are like the last of the base demons on twenty five mil bases. Mm-hmm. Bloodletters are on thirty twos now. Bloodletters are on thirty twos. Leg bearers are on thirty twos. Everybody's on thirty twos. Not Damonettes. We keep our twenty fives, and yet somehow we're still terrible. Take that. Uh, like we found a way to be awful. You know, Damonettes are bad. Uh, fiends are bad. Your your little horse rider guys were obviously just there to be chaff. Like they couldn't kill their, themselves out of a wet paper bag. They're like the most obvious chap in history. Oh, they, I mean, you're you're buying a, a minimum uh, uh, battle line requirement sometimes. You're just like, yeah, hey, we'll take three of these. Yeah, my point was there's like there was nothing in the army that would make you go, like, it had to be Hero Hammer because what other units were you going to rely on? Okay, well, it, there wasn't anything else. There's a peripheral take here, which is I, I believe in a recency bias, uh, bias in Age of Sigmar. Uh, if new sculpts get released, people want to play that. If a new book gets released, people want to play that. Like, it, it. Oh sure. Hidden tech exists in this game that it's like old, like old, old builds and old staunch cast um, models that people have neglected because the new shiny thing comes out. Like, I think that's a reality of like how we play our game. Um, sure. Yeah, there's, and it's really easy if you're on the cutting edge to like stay on the cutting edge and then just like not look back. Too. Yeah, to just keep rolling forward. Right. Um, but yeah, so like this, this game, they, they release a bunch of, all the sculpts came out, they were heroes. I want to play with those. And I have an army that has an allegiance ability that says heroes do the thing. Yeah. Right. Let's go. I'm going to min-max the hell out of that. Um, right. it was, it was the proof, the, the, they, they told me how to play it in everything that they, they released, uh, from the, the recent sculpts to the rules that said heroes do the thing. Uh, to summoning the heroes that do the thing, I'm like, yep, it's right. all right here. Yeah, yeah. You get you get heroes because heroes behoove more heroes that behoove more heroes that give you the thing to get heroes. Yeah. Yes. 
Yeah. What? Right. Do you, what? And again, I don't think that's. I, I'm. The. It's weird because we're like, oh, I hate Hero Hammer as like a as a culture. We're like, well, we hate Hero Hammer. I'm like, it's alright to have I an army that's I the exception. I, I understand that a lot of people aren't fans of it. I personally love it, but yes. No, I think it's cool. D and D parties. That's your your army is just a D and D party, like adventuring party, and then you have like some like some villagers that back you up. I think that's cool. That's a fun build. That's awesome. Hundred uh, percent. And and look, when I'm like, I am definitely a fan of the style of D and D, or you know, in role playing games, I generally like to be the big damn hero, mm -hmm. right? Like, I want to be the person that's like you know, showing up like a superhero, crushing in and, you know, being the... The superhero landing. The, the, <laughs> yeah, like, that's how I want to roll into scenes, right? Um, you know, I, I like being that character, being that, like, impactful. I, you know, that doesn't mean, at the same time, like, that doesn't mean you play like a jerk. I don't mean, like, you know, to be a jerk in the game or to try to steal other people's spotlight or something like that. You still have to be, as a person playing a role-playing game, you still have to understand that you have friends and that there are other people in this group with you, right? So I don't mean that. I don't. I, I'm very conscious of not playing like a jerk, or I try to be. Mm -hmm. It's it's a struggle. Like I I will. I know this is not a line I've always walked perfectly well. Sometimes I've played like a jerk. I didn't mean it. I'm sorry to my friends. I'm glad they keep playing with me. But I really try hard not to do it. Oh, uh, our Soulbound game is going awesome. By the way, I know it's uh, we're gonna have like a month of hiatus here because can't be helped. But, but no, uh, and that's great. I really feel like I don't have like. There's definitely moments where I can just sit back and be like. Yeah, go nuts. This is you guys. I have never felt like I had that much of a struggle with that in that game because other people have such strong personalities, right? So it's not... You're, you're not gaming with Haywo, which is probably one of the strongest personalities in our thing. It's like... Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's it's easy when you've got people who... Other people who want to step up to the plate. It really... It, it feeds the best instincts in me, right? <laughs> when you've got when you've got other people who are really wanting to, to play hard. Because then those, Go ahead. those other people will just do the work for you, right? Yeah. You don't have to willingly step back. They're willingly stepping up, and then you can just go, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's where, like, it sucks when you get it on, like, a, a new RPG group, and you're, like, the... I'm I'm, I'm kind of in your boat, too, because, like, I have a strong personality. Uh, when I'm at the D&D &D table or the tabletop RPG, you know, setting, I'm, like, if I'm in a party, uh, I'm going to engage the GM every time. And I'm, like, if you have, like, people who are a little bit, like, unsure, you can you can suck the air out the room. You know, right. it, it seems like every scene you're the one talking or whatever. Yeah. Um, yep. Even if it's just like, oh, are there any traps? Right. Like they, the other players don't even know to ask that. And you're just like stifling it all. Um, but tying this back to like Hero Hammer and in Slanesh, like, you know, the playing like a jerk and the D&D &D party. Um, did we already put a bow on that or was there? I mean, I think that, you know, uh, my point in all of that was to say, I'll be very interested to see what this new book forebodes or, or, or brings, whatever you want, whatever the appropriate word would be there. Yeah. Um, for Slanesh, because because we're introducing a lot of non-new heroes. <laughs> yeah, there right? you go. Like, we're introducing a lot of stuff that isn't a hero, like these new, you know, two new types of cav and a new type of foot archer and these executioners and the twin souls and like none of this stuff is heroes. Now we're also getting some cool new heroes in the Slangorphine bloods. Yeah. Yeah. The Slangorphine bloods. Yeah, exactly. And I, I, I really hope that we redesign the rules aware that like, it would be cool if those things actually had allegiance abilities in the game beyond sixes become two hits. Yeah. Right. Because right now that's the only allegiance ability a non-hero has is 
if you roll a six to hit, it becomes two hits. Like, right. okay, cool, that's not terrible, but, like, that's a lot of this whole... That's a column and a half of Allegiance abilities that just don't apply yeah. to anything else but heroes. Well, even right? the even the Fane only addresses heroes doing stuff with the Fane, yeah, right? right? Yeah, the Fane does. The Locus, the Depravity, it's hero, hero, hero. Molly hero. needs me. You got this. Hang on. Yeah, yeah. Right, sorry, sorry. So, like, my point was when you write a book where so, so, so much of what is being said on the page is... Play heroes, play heroes, heroes the only thing that matter, heroes the only things that do anything, hero, 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 right? When when that's all that's happening, I find I, I struggle to or you know understand what else should I have been doing? What else could you have imagined me playing? Right? So I truly hope that whenever this new book comes out, that since we've got like eleven new units total here, uh that you know there's there's plenty of actual reason to play those things like fiends were a really cool unit that they introduced that we got a new sculpt for that you were that you never see because they're just pointless in the army they don't do anything and they don't feel it's just so evident from moment one you're playing a worse version of the army by playing them and that's unfortunate like that's kind of what you don't want to have happening you don't want somebody to just get the immediate feel bads for playing something they want where they just feel like, oh, okay, I guess I guess all of these allegiance abilities just don't apply to me. And it's kind of what they were correcting with Gits, because Gits had the same had one of the same problems, right? One of the things they were correcting with Gits was making it so there wasn't just whole sections of the army that were like, Oh, this is uh this is a clearly inferior choice. It's not benefiting from all this stuff. In any way now i mean we can talk about their allegiance abilities being kind of a nothing burger because of the bad moon and so on and so forth that's that's a whole different discussion but i mean just things like oh i guess if i'm not playing goblins i don't get to use my terrain piece that i put on the table for no reason or whatever right just that kind of stuff um so uh my hope is that these new units are good and have reason to be in there because You've got Sigvald, the Caster Lady, and the Palanquin we have yet to see, which we'll hopefully see here in a few hours. And, um, you know, the rest of the stuff is going to be units. Um, so that's a lot to introduce. I hope it's good. Fingers crossed. Uh, fingers crossed for whatever it's going to bring us. My personal feeling is I just hope we completely redesign the Allegiance from the ground up. Um keep the sixes or double taps because that kind of makes sense. And then just go from there. Like whatever we think is clever. I would love to see a complete rewrite. I wouldn't hate it at all. And I, it, it wouldn't bother me one bit. Um, yeah, but time will tell probably not too long, longer than we wanted, because I guess I, you know, I originally, obviously Sinesh was supposed to release in January. We know that because of the, the heat night coin, so it's not like it's not like it was supposed to be this February release, and I hope it's still an early February release. I don't want to wait longer for my for my Slaneshi goodness, uh, but we'll see. We'll see what ends up happening. Uh, time will tell on that. Uh, I said I, I just kind of finished out my point, and then I said obviously it's sad that the release has been pushed back to February. Obviously, it was originally supposed to release in January. It was a, yeah, we know that because a duh, the coin. Right, mm -hmm. like it's not like the Slanesh coin was January, so it was pretty obvious. Mm -hmm. 
And, uh, you know, my hope is that they now it's pushed back to February. I hope not late in February um, because there won't basically be any AOS in January, which kind of is it's kind of unfortunate. Um, More February but, you know, for that matter, which was the. We'll get a bunch of previews and stuff. So that's cool. In January, like we'll get a ton of previews and things for Slanesh in January. Like we'll get the build up to it. Um, is that the next battle tome? Is that the hook? The question mark? Right? It's Slanesh. Ninety nine percent, in my opinion, yes. I mean, they'd have to really left turn, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if it was something else and it suddenly came out, I'd be like, "Whoa! I that that is genuinely surprising." I would be genuinely surprised, which is rare because most of the time, uh, you ever seen Boiler Room? No. Okay, Boiler Room is a great sales movie. I watched Boiler Room. Like, I used to show when I, because I used to train salespeople. And I would show them Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, Wall Street, yep. Glenn Gary, and Glenn Ross. Boiler Room. Okay, yeah. these are the three movies you had to watch to work for me. Mm-hmm. And uh, in Boiler Room, the main character, Giovanni Ravisi's character, is like, look, I'm not a fate man. I'm an odds man. And I think, what are the odds if I hadn't shown up at this house that night, if I hadn't done this thing, if I hadn't done that, right? So it's he's, he's just looking back from where he's sitting at the end of the movie back to the beginning, right? It's kind of what's going on. And, you know, that's how it is. I'm always an odds man. I never, I, I so rarely am certain about anything, right? I'm like, well, odds are this, odds are that. You know, I'm always thinking. In- I'm a little, I'm a little more Han Solo. Don't tell me the odds. <laughs> Don't tell me the odds. Like, <laughs> go on. I, I just, I think in, in probabilities. Like, I have a very probabilistic nature to me. I'm, I'm not a fate man. I'm an odds man. Mm-hmm. And the, you know, like, when I think about what this would be, it feels as close to certainty as I can get, like, 99%. What's the next book? Well, the thing that they've released nine different units for so far that seems pretty obvious that they've been talking about for a while and building up that we haven't seen a book for yet that clearly is going to get its own book, right? Like, if yeah. I had to guess. Well, um, uh, so, uh, real, real quick, not to not to stop you, is it going to be a Mortal Slash dot book, or are they going to, like, kind of re... It'd just be Slanesh 2.0, like okay. New Storm right. Yeah, okay. All right. All right. Yeah, I think they've learned at this point that if they redo a book, they just put it, they just roll everything together. Yeah, right on, right on. No, I think that's the way you go, too. Um... Uh, question uh, here, real quick from Dice yeah, Dome. Let's tackle it. Yeah, go. Uh, I play Lumineth, and I have a hard time with Horde, mainly Skaven, Pestilence, Skaven. Uh, would you happen to have a tip or two for playing Horde armies, playing against? It's so with Lumineth because you don't have a lot of mobility. I, I mean, I don't know what build you're running, so I'm just kind of assuming like a, a take all comers average LRL build. Yeah. Um. And, you know, like, if you're talking about Skaven Pestilence, what you're talking about is just an overwhelming... You're, you're getting dice suppressed through hordes of models, so I assume that means you're fighting people who are bringing, like, 120 Plague Monks or something gross like that. <clears throat> um, you know, my best advice is you've got to figure out where you can push on the lever, like I mentioned earlier. Like, and again, I don't know what type of Lumineth you're playing, but it, it feels like something like a Sayer build would be quite I strong. feel like Brave, brave Bomb... Uh... Yeah, exactly. Like, bravery bombing them is really strong. Like, if you've got a Cathalar, you can just lock an entire unit of... Because those pest, those 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 Clan Pestilence monks are like bravery four. Five? I don't remember. I think four. But maybe five. It doesn't matter. Either way, you could just lock them out from ever doing anything again. Once you, like, you just neg one bravery them and then just cast the spell and you'll lock them out of, of literally ever acting again. Mm-hmm. They'll never move. They'll never do anything. 
Uh, and then it's just a question of like, you're fairly slow, but you definitely hit harder. Like your wardens when properly buffed should be cleaning up units of, of plague monks, like no problem. So it's just a question of like making like, that's why I think Sire would be good. Cause then you've got the double tap on the, on their, uh, whatever their resource is called their gold. You can spend their gold twice. And, <laughs> uh, gold, it's yeah. Gold. yeah, it's all gold. Yeah. Um, and you know, being able to like push your guys up to a save higher, like, Oh, Oh, a plus one to a save in a turn where you know you're going to get kicked by a by one of those units is very powerful. Um, yeah, they do some. And, they have some good mortal output, which is I think a, a small problem that that the Lumineth players w would run into against uh, Scryer or uh, Pestilence. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's a low low wound army. My my biggest general tip for playing LRL is play for the late game. Um, right. This is an army that that shouldn't go like hard alpha early or like hard in motion. You kind to you kind of want to watch the game develop and then execute. And so that's like my biggest general tip for LRL right now is um don't play don't don't play fast. You you slow play that army. It's it's a it's a it's a battlefield control army. You want to watch the battlefield develop a little bit. Yeah, I mean, in the end, they've got a single strategy. You might want to ping somebody like Martin Orlando, by the way, online. I'm sure he's like he's play he's got or, or Tyler Emerson. Tyler Tyler's got some really good takes on on LRL right yeah, now. Yeah, a lot of reps with LRL and could probably give you like very uh, specific advice, like do this, do this, do that. These units and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, so hopefully that helps, uh, Dice Dome. Uh, I think your Brave Bomb is a really good out against uh, specifically Skaven. Um, Horden... yeah, I mean, the Cathalar thing is so crippling to them. Uh, that plus a total eclipse, and it's like, well, I guess they don't do anything. Yeah, and you can you can actually end up on like a tech. I feel like if you're on a techless build, you it's it's probably worse because yeah, technado, but like they can swarm you pretty hard and like kind of like slow roll you. Yeah, and if it's truly horde, you're not doing enough with technado to stop them down. Yeah, exactly. So so like I, I could see a techless build really struggling, but like a sort of take all comers generic LRL, I think you uh you you play for the late game, you bravery bomb them, and then you, you grind. Yeah, them. I think also using your Dawn Riders correctly is gonna be really important if you've got Dawn Riders in the list. Because they can actually be really damaging against one wound plague monks. And so like hitting them right, pinning them, you know, keeping that like using your Dawn Riders who can move twenty eight inches if they need to. Right in a way that you're controlling their ability to move, and so they can't bring multiple hordes against you at the same time. Mm -hmm. Like if they end up, if you kill a whole unit of plague monks and they mortal wound kick back and kill your or fight back and kill a unit of dawn riders, that's a trade I'd make all day and twice on Sunday. Like yep. that is that is a winning trade. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're if you're taking out of their block with with your dawn riders, you're absolutely winning that fight. Yeah, and your your, your sentinels are going to do a lot of work against them too. Like you just yeah, I mean, fit. you can definitely take out like like priest or, or furnace. Yeah, be target number one for those. Yeah, uh, the furnace is a must for their list. So you got to just pew 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 that shit down. Like, um, you've got the threat range to like hopefully take that off the board. Again, play for late game. Don't accelerate into into the early. You can get the points back. Uh, just 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 play decisive. Um, I kind of want to uh, go back to a take that you had earlier about like you don't care. Ooh. 100 biddies. Thank you so much for the biddies. And I did have a, a follow earlier uh, from uh, Yes Meatballs. And unbelievable. Thank you so much for the follow is the thing I usually say because I radio voice it. Um, I generally build uh, 
take all comers list. Thanks again for the info. You're welcome, and thanks for the biddies. Um, uh, you you mentioned like you don't care that uh, if Slanesh gets Sylvaneth, and this is this is like yeah. you said this, and I like I double triple circled it. Like I was like Sylvaneth. Uh, so first off, we got to define. First it's a, it's off, yeah, we got to define the verb. What do you mean by Sylvaneth? Like they come out and they're just like. It, you like, get a new book and it's just not very competitive. Okay, all right. So it's that's just, what you mean. Like especially coming off, you had it. There was a certain way it played. It was very competitive. Sylvaneth was a machine army. Okay, and which is ironic for the army of trees, but it was. It was just like a machine. Oh, it was a machine set up and executed. Like yep. on this turn, I it was a flowchart. Like yeah. look, you can be here at this table or not. It doesn't ma really matter. I'm executing a plan, and either you can fight your way out of my plan and somehow win, or you lose. That's it. But I will decide the tone and tempo of this game. By the way, time. by the way, this is what I loved about the early early Nagash lists. You're a MMO boss fight. I'm like either you're going to execute like staying out of the fire and maneuvering and DPSing down the the ads and stuff like that, and then focusing the boss or not. And I like that about like the early early Nagash. I got a I got a hard Nagash it. Uh, I love that about like early Nagash stuff in AOS. I hate where Nagash is right now because Nagash should be a boss fight. Like, it doesn't need to be the hard mode boss fight. They can change, but, like, he doesn't play like a boss fight anymore. It sucks. I sure. hate that. That's the thing I hate the most. Well, that's all right. We'll get a new crack at him when we get the vampire book with, with our new Mortark of the Abyss. Yeah. Let's go. All right. Anyway, anyway, Sylvaneth. Yeah, uh, so we get Sylvaneth, right? Where, where it was an army that had this very plan, it had a set play style, it was quite competitive, and then the new book just really isn't. It isn't very competitive. And I know there's a lot of people real Ma sad about that. Manzac, Merry Christmas to you as well. Thanks for thanks for oh, popping in, my buddy. Yeah, hey, what's up, Manzac? Absolutely, Merry Christmas, buddy. Uh, hope you're doing well. Um, I don't care. I really couldn't care less if we get Sylvaneth. It wouldn't bother me in the slightest. Like I would, I would fine. Like I don't. I, I had my time in the sun where I was just walking around, ruling. You know, just feeling like, oh, sure, I'll deign to play you, peasant. Oh, you lose again. Uh, you know? Like I, I don't even need to commit mentally to playing this game. I push the models forth, and you die. Yeah, like this is it's just me with an accounting machine ringing up depravity until I can buy my toys. <laughs> just like ching, ching, yeah. like the old school, like yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so like if it's if it's not, I I hope that doesn't happen. I hope they find a way to make it interesting and make it a good fat metal book. I hope it ends up looking like Slaves to Darkness minus Marauders, which I think is like, if you take the Marauders out of the Slaves to Darkness book, I think it's one of the most perfect books. I, I uh, hate that Marauders are as tilted as they are because I think it undermines the better tech of the book. There's some really well, great I think tech. it undermines the overall quality of the book on yeah, a whole yeah, fair, yeah, fair, yeah. Yeah, I'm like, uh, like I, I before marauders were like really because i was like taking a unit of marauders in a lot of like my builds just because like i always like to have a big block of the thing right whatever's the most efficient thing is have a big block and then build a like a good central list and i, I was like m the despoilers thing i was coming up with like uh what i call the ass prince <laughs> he's an ass man <laughs> you know like like building a despoilers ass man list and stuff like that where like i'm like there, there's some really great stuff in there even like the the like one of my favorite sort of like Johnny stuff is like double tapping like uh, endless spells and some of the stuff that they get to do. I'm like, oh, this is so good. Like, it, there's some really great mechanics in the in the STD book. It's just utterly eclipsed by how the strength of Marauders. You don't sure, get to absolutely. appreciate like, I built a whole, I, I, I was playing against some S2D with my Skaven and I, I was playing the wacky Rat Ogre list where you like... Thank you for saying S2D, by the way. Props, respect, SD, respect, yeah. respect, respect. Go on. Um, and I was, you know, and I said, 
So this is this wacky list where you're you're investing about a thousand points to make rat ogres good. Okay, but you can like turn them into a pretty efficient, like a pretty great killing machine where they're like, you know, hitting on they're like twos and twos and rerolling ones on the hit, and you know they have decent rend and two damage and stuff like that, and they you know, it's good, and they can fight on death and all sorts of crazy stuff, right? And you just like you're you're just. Will will this blend right? Like bad unit, but you can make them fun and whatever you know. It's a it's a jokey, goofy army, and I wanted to play it, so I was playing it one game, and I I you know made this longer charge and got into a unit of forty marauders, but I didn't get my whole block of like eight into the marauders. Okay, so I only got like maybe five in, and then the other three charged something else, and whatever, whatever. Did all my stuff, and I killed. 25 marauders or something and i was like Ugh, that's that's less than i needed like i needed to kill more so i killed like 25 out of the 40 marauders right and the, and the, the other player was completely despondent they were like these things are they, like looking at my red ogre and they're like these are ridiculous and i was like if you knew the amount of investment and setup i had to do here to make this all work like i have to have three heroes in exactly the right ranges that i've been manipulating and i took two different magic items to make this happen like this is a lot of work here dude so shut up and then and then I was like, you know, I, I, was just, I, I hate that. Like, I hate when, whatever, I don't, I'm not going to put up with that. You telling me my red ogres are too good. We'll <laughs> switch lists and I'll clean your clock so hard. You won't even know what hits you. I okay? love Vince Unleashed. This is my favorite Vince. <laughs> um, it, so at any rate, then like he had 15 Marauders left, right? And I was like, I didn't do enough. He piled in the first time, killed four red ogres, piled in again, killed three more. And I was like, well. You see what I'm saying? You t- now do you see why I said I didn't kill enough? Because your dumb 15 Marauders just wiped seven of my eight Rat Ogres out. And uh, that was on the hitback, right? Like, that was on the counter, on the punchback. Yeah, I engaged you, buddy, and you got this. Yeah, Yeah. imagine if you had gotten all 40 into something, what this world would have looked like, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's like, oh, wow, these guys are really good. And I was like, well, yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I built the list for you. You know, like, I'm, I'm the one who designed the list for them. Yeah. But, you know, I don't blame them. Like, if you're not dialed in, uh, you, you don't know until you experience it, uh-huh. right? Um, and so it's it's one of those things where, like, you just you have to kind of be aware that, like, oh, wow, some things are just going to be uh, super good. And it's easy to say that on paper, and then you play it in reality, and you're like, wow, no, that is really good. <laughs> there's this weird thing going on right now where, like, I, I feel like to internalize, you got to play with, with with Age of Sigmar because we can math hammer. Sure. But, like, to, to actually get it on the table and to, like, do the thing, that galvanizes it. That makes it real for me. You know, like, that's... Sure. And, uh, like, uh, I don't know, like, Blight Kings is the one right now where I'm like... I, 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 I saw some UK stuff where they're like, yeah, fuck this, you know? Like it was really like the this the the thing, and I'm like I'm looking at it, and I'm like, but they're so low low model count, they can do infinite damage. So if you just like chaff them a couple times, like I, I don't see how they keep winning. There's a finite amount of turns in the game, and I, I don't know. Sure, I mean they should go back up in points, like twenty points. They should be sure they're not, they're they're they made them way too cheap. Um, but uh, no, anyway, I, I think there should be other adjustments to the Nurgle army. So it's it's not like that's the only thing that should change. Yeah, and. Like, and I hate that we always go to like needs a new book, right? And I think this is super pertinent for the Slanesh discussion. Um, sure. I hate that we go to the needs needs a new book thing, but like Nurgle was one of those things where like, oh, we wrote it with AOS 2.0 in mind, 
And I'm just like looking at him like, no, you didn't. Liar. Sure. <laughs> well, they wrote it with how they understood AOS 2.0 at that time. Right. But, the, but I mean, that's just, that's that, not what AOS 2.0 is going to end up being. You know, I mean, the initial AOS 2.0 was Stormcast and Nighthaunt. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's the, the world we lived in at the end was very different than than what the world was when it started right well, i mean let's even a book uh two books later because after the uh, uh you got bo beast of chaos in like about october and then february and uh, january happened right like we got flesh of courts and completely different world completely different world absolutely i mean look you know stormcast are pretty scary when they like i you know i don't know if you remember but i played on the stream for the launch of aos 2 right and I, I was over in I was over in in England, and so I was in. I happened to be in Nottingham when that launched. You said it and, wrong, which is what something I learned from uh, Rob's stream today. Not, Nottingham, Nottingham, or something like that. Like it's like you gotta you gotta they, chop they words. All of it. Nottingham. Yeah. Uh, but yes, I was over in Nottingham, and I mean that's just how I pronounce it. That's as good as we're gonna get. Um, and uh, and and like. I mean, they, they gave me a, because I obviously didn't have my army with me, so they were, like, they were very nice, and they gave me an army, and what they gave me was, like, an Eldritch Council list of, like, sword masters and some dragon dudes. <laughs> like, not the good dragon dudes. Mm-hmm. And then they had me play, like, new Stormcast that, um, uh, that, that, uh, uh, Terry from Facehammer was piloting. It was a very fun game. He's a very nice guy. And, um... You know, that was like what I would call not a great game as far as that goes, <laughs> uh, because that was, you know, to 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 that list of just like, well, I have sword masters and some bad casters. Um, you know, that's that's a non game. Right. So, I mean, it was just a different world very quickly in AOS 2.0. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that list would be so quickly eclipsed. Mm-hmm. Like we'd look at something like Kitty Caters and be like, those are no good. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. When you look at how good they were when they initially popped, Th- right? Thundercats, right? Yeah, yeah. Kitty Caters, yep. I like that. Good. We we call them Thundercats around these parts, buddy. Uh, well, they're called Kitty Caters, so you can call them whatever you want, but they're called Kitty Caters. <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. Uh, that's fair. Um, no, I, I I um, do you have a fear because AOS three is like the talk of like we're getting three we're getting three point um, mm-hmm. Honestly, like I'm upset to get a new GHB this year. Um, I I I liked this GHB. I wished I had more time to enjoy it. And I know that you you had your like uh, your basement games, you know, beyond that door there, past the wizard staff, where you're like you got to really enjoy it. I've got a couple games with myself, um, and sure. some, some TTS stuff. And I'm like, this is like the this is what I asked for a year ago when I like I roasted the book, right? Uh, the the previous GHB. I'm like, this is the one I wanted. I didn't get to experience it. And on one hand, it's like, you got to keep plowing forward. Change is good. I'm I'm not a, averse to change. I think that part of what made Age of Sigmar's community pretty awesome is I think that they're more accepting of change than other communities. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I think that's that's like the strength of the Age of Sigmar community is they're, they're just like, they're kind of like, they're just like kind of like down with change. Like, yeah, fuck it. Let, fine. Let's see where this goes as a community. I think that's a strength. Um, but this is like the the one time where I'm like, don't change too much. Um, no, I agree. I mean, I really hope that whatever we see for for AOS three assuming we get it, which by the way, I, I would just love it if we were all wrong and we didn't get it and they waited another year. One more year, same with that. Yeah, yeah. I I would I would love to see us just wait. Um, 
They can I afford. don't think it. I think the game is relatively fine. Like, let Broken Realms really play out. Let's see where that goes. You know, keep doing some battle tomes. Introduce a few new armies. Like, we don't we don't need that much stuff. We we just don't. We don't need to keep edition changing. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't need to be on this like edition treadmill. Um, you know, I would point out that Fifth Edition D and D launched. You know, about a little bit before. Uh, before AOS, right? They're about the same time, mm-hmm. and uh, we're still on fifth edition D and D. Haven't found a need to to upgrade that yet, and you know it's going stronger than ever. Uh, it's the most popular tabletop gaming experience of all time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like the number of people playing that right now on Twitch. I'm sure that if I flip around on on my recommended channels, I can find some people playing some ridiculous D and D games. Oh yeah. Crit- massive audiences. Yeah, uh, Critical Role with 5th edition D&D pulls down uh, literal NFL ticket sales. Yeah. Like, it's outrageous. The, yep. the To go watch nerds play Dungeons & Dragons live is like buying a fucking Super Bowl ticket. Mm-hmm. That's outrageous to me. Like, oh, I believe me, I know. Uh, when, when we were at, when I was at Gen Con, obviously not this year because there was no Gen Con, uh, but 2019. Yeah. We were over getting lunch in Lucas Arena, uh, and the and we were like eating over in the oil stadium. Yeah, Lu- Lucas Oil Stadium. Yep. Yep. To do like because there's a lot of cool where the stuff. Colts play. I believe you. I don't know that to be true or false. You could be lying to me, and I would not know. But I believe you. Go on. Um, and there's a lot of cool stuff for that. Ha- like I, one of the things I love about Gen Con is the corners, right? Like there's the obvious stuff, like the the big the big exhibition halls and. You know the big show floor where like where you can go buy stuff and stuff like that. That's all cool and I love it, all that. It, I also it, like the corners. I want like you to the, define the what the corners is in a second. Sure. My favorite part is how much the city just like gets behind it. Oh, absolutely! Like They're you, you, you go to like just a random ass taco hut, like three, three. You're like on special. Here's this, and yeah. would you like super dragon? You would know, you Would you like the Driss du Orden special? special? Yeah. Like I we both went to the same guy, by the way. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. 100%. No. No. I. I. I love that. I love that. And like, then you like at the wait staff that like, you you have like you have a fifty fifty. The one who like legitimately is a nerd hiding it. They're they're masking their power level the whole time, right? Or it's like they have no idea, but they had to suddenly like conform to you for a day. Sure. Sure. And I I love that that like moment where you're like, are you, are like. You have that moment where you're like you're trying to figure out if like it's the marketing ploy or if they're like they're like actually happy to finally be themselves. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, love that moment. If you go into PF Chang's, they have uh, <laughs> Gen Con oriented specials. Should tell you everything you need. Yeah, uh, it's steak and shake for me, by the way, buddy. Thank you. <laughs> go, uh, on, go on, go on. I mean, definitely not. Never, ever, 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 ever. There are. I'm, I'm not going to tell you where I eat, my friend. I, I keep my. I keep my. Uh, I keep my secret spots for Gen Con to myself. If you can find me, I will. Uh, I will extricate them from you in the future. That's fine. Off uh, off stream. I, I definitely don't share them publicly. We we have our places. We have our things that we know about. I mean, I've been going to Gen Con uh, every year since 2006. This is the first year I haven't been at Gen Con since 2006. Obviously, there are people who've gone a lot more years than that. Um, but you know, it's. Uh, no, see, uh, see, as a as a as a Sconsonite, uh, I remember why it's called Gen Con. Yes, 
like you know that his, you know that his house in Lake Geneva just sold. Gary Gygax's house just sold last year. Did they finally get a statue of him because they were trying that for like fuck ever in Lake Geneva? No, oh, I don't know. Um, you know, I, I, there's like a documentary on on it recently, and I watched it, and but then the documentary was outdated by a, about a decade. I'm like, this is the latest thing we've heard in any coverage. Um, Gen Con Milwaukee, by the way, kind of sucked. Like the, the it, Milwaukee, my that's my that's home for me. That's my backyard. Uh, did not embrace Gen Con as a thing, the way that Indy has embraced Gen Con. Gotcha. So, so when I talk about like like going off street to like, I say the Taco Hut. There's not a place called the Taco Hut. There's this like awesome Mexican restaurant, uh, like kind of off the main strip there. That like every time we went in there, it's like I get hot wings and like some tacos, and there's nobody in there ever. But they're like totally on board with with it. That's that's my place. So like I, I feel like we can interface and like we know some shit. <laughs> sure. <laughs> um. No, I I, I just um. We were kind of talking about like the new edition. And... Things I like are the when I said the corners. What I mean is yes, those off. Gen Con has a lot of stuff that's off the beaten path. Seminars happening in the adjacent hotels, unusual things going on, just cool stuff. But just to, to finish out the critical role thing, I was over in Lucas Oil, and there was this huge, 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 like unbelievably huge line, like just crazy, mm-hmm. crazy, crazy, crazy line for over at Lucas Oil. And I'm like, what the hell are all these people over here for? What what is going on? And it was for a seminar with Matt Mercer and the and that crew. Yeah. Right. And I mean, like that that was what was going on there, and it was just the biggest thing in the universe, right? Yeah. So yeah, I mean they they pull it down, they pull it down. Yeah. No. Uh, Gratz, you know, the, uh, shout outs, do your thing, whatever, man. Make 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 your make your uh, make your nut. Um, but fifth edition D and D, which is kind of where this all went is the most popular it's ever been, and they've been riding that way for a little while. Um, Age of Sigmar 2.0, we have this thing called 2.0 babies, right? Like like the AOS 2, 2 babies, where um, we watched the fandom literally double one year. Like, literally. And we have a awesome... Literally. Were you just quoting uh, more... Uh, uh, literally. Were you, creating, were you quoting Schitt's Creek? Literally, yeah, um, yeah. Um, I'm finally watching through that. I wasn't on board at first. My wife tried to get me into it. I don't like any of them in season one. They're all too like selfish and and just it's like they're not humans. They're caricatures. Yeah, they're caricatures. But then by like season three, when they start to actually become real people and get like good emotional stories, I was like, okay, I'm in. And now I'm into season six, and I really love the show. So yeah, no, no. There's um, yeah. There's uh, there's there's a moment there, um. Where you 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 watch Age of Sigmar, we've seen just the growth has been excellent with the community. You can just look at the tournament scene and go, oh hey, every event has sold out more and more, and they've raised their ceiling. Right. Like even looking in Australia, they had to make a second tournament the same weekend because like the first one sold out in the same time. And I won't go into the, uh, there's probably some there. I guess there was some drama there. I don't know about the drama. I'm I'm not close enough to it. I, I have no idea. Um, but watching like you. A tournament sellout, and then some people. Ah, we need to make another tournament. And, ugh, hurry up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's like people want to play our game. They they're in it. They're invested. You don't need to roll out the next edition just to roll out the next edition. I feel like we're still exploring this edition. Yeah, I agree. It doesn't feel like there's rule stuff that needs to be not it's, dramatically it's not like the transition between one and two 
Mm. Right. Where the transition between 1.0 and 2.0 felt pretty necessary because there was a lot of like proud nails that hadn't really been hammered down yet. Right. And needed to be codified into the rules and were kind of messy and stuff like that. Yeah. Like the classical uh, unmodified versus modified. Right. Like just making that language more more blanket. Yes. And like moving to a lot of holy within and moving to command abilities working the way they do. I mean, remember that command abilities were only a thing that could be used by your general pre-AOS 2.0, right? <laughs> it was a lot of differences. It was a very, very, very different game. And, you know, we, we, we cleaned out a lot of that stuff. When I look around now, I'm like, I don't even know. There's certainly nothing on that level. And I don't know what I would pick. Now, the way that they could do this is if we have a new edition non-change. Okay. So it's like a 2.5. So yeah, like, if we call it a new edition, and technically it is, and we get a new, like, launch box to help bring people in, and stuff like that, but really it's just basically the same rules with some very minor tweaks, but we're just really doing it as a marketing exercise to help them, like, boost sales and stuff, but we don't really change the game much. Yeah, let's do that. Let's go. Then I'm fine with that. Yeah, I'm on board with that. I, I don't mind. I'd love to see a new starter box. It means Stormcast will get a new book, which I actually think would be fun for them. Like, you know, there's there too. And uh, you know, it me but and it me but what I don't want is rules changes that necessitate new battle tomes. Yes. Because the last thing I want is for the battle tome treadmill to start up again. Well, where um, we need another 2019 12 and, books in one year. Right. I mean, by the way, that's what they're going to be on track for for 40k, right? I mean, they said even with the reduced schedule, we will have one battle tome a month at least Ugh. for forty k. That's the schedule they're on. I I, I have to go on, go on. And my feeling is, do you want do you want another no Skaven tome at launch? This is how you get Skaven tomes at launch, right? Like, do you want ants, Lana? This is how you get ants, right? Because. Because when you when you're forced to operate at that, this speed, is how you get ants. <laughs> yes, when when you're forced to operate at that speed, things are going to fall, fall through. through. Yep. Right, and then you're you're just playing catch up. So if the change is basically like third in name only mm -hmm. type of change, right, where it's just like, yeah, okay, sure, it's third edition, got it. But wink, basically, wink. yeah, wink, wink. But like, okay, what actually happens is maybe we. Like, Rob wants, you know, slightly more codified terrain rules. Sure. Okay. Yeah, whatever. Um, you know, that's fine. And uh, so, like, now we have some more optionally more codified terrain rules. And uh, I'm trying to think of, like, what else would we change? And we codify endless prayers into a thing instead of just, like, the judgments of corn and the this of this and the blah, blah, blah. No. They're all one name. Yes. Right? And that just kind of, like, rules clean up stuff like that. Um. Yeah, that's fine. I don't mind that stuff. That's cool. If it's little changes around the edges like that, then great. Yeah. Perfectly fine. I'm happy with it. Let's roll to it. Give me a GHB 2021 that's basically the same as GHB 2020, but like with some minor changes to Blade's Edge and... Yeah, like uh, do your Sky Combat again and whatever. Yeah, like or put something else in there. Give yeah, me, give whatever. Me a, Maybe some new multiplayer focused stuff because I think that always I think they sells. underestimate how good that is. I yep. think Mar I think multiplayer always sells. I think a lot. I think people honestly love multiplayer. I know I do at least. I admit, same, yeah. Um, team games, especially just like you know doubles. Two -on -two doubles is one of my favorite formats. In best all best like, format. I completely agree. It's it's so fun. 
I heard Rob and them talking about it on their show, and they were talking about, like, yeah, you know, when you're sharing command points between two people, I'm like, what kind of weird team games are you guys playing? No, we have our own command points. Like, you guys even play doubles? Like, what are you talking about? You what? <laughs> I, I don't know if the UK has fully embraced it the way we have over here, because I guess we're more beer and pretzels than them. But, like, there's that I, moment where, like, uh, I, me and Heywo kind of famously, like, pair up for, for the doubles events, right? And, um... We were playing a game against uh, against the Ramchaks, uh, the boy wonder Isaiah and, and his dad, who is just. Uh, that's my. We're one day. I I one day wish to be him. I want to be like the the dad uh, taking kids down to the tournament in Tennessee and transferring sure. to the armies while everyone like flies down. Like that's. I want to be the ultimate ambassador of the game. That's the way that he is just connects the community and. And just the the sort of like uh, does the hard work, straight up stuff. Um, and we had this moment where it was like uh, where we were playing doubles against uh, uh, against uh, Isaiah and his dad, uh, Mark and uh, and Joe. Joe and Mark just walk away from the table, <laughs> and like sure. and like let me and and let me and Isaiah just like play. <laughs> You know, like just being our, doing our finicky stuff, and like they go get a cup of coffee, and they have a smoke, and then they come back. I'm like, this is peak Warhammer. <laughs> like this is that moment where you're just like, oh, dude, uh, you know, like other humans gonna just roll the dice. Like, fuck, let's go get a sub. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're like, it's all, but it's like it's codified. It's important to like have it, like empower your players to like feel secure with doing the sort of like outside the script stuff right like yep. that's why An anvil apotheosis is important because it says yeah we know that you all write your own snowflake characters in your like canon and you name renamed your your white king model that you bought for 120 points or whatever like we know that you do that here's a way to like codify that and make it more yours like shit like that is important i agree the paint schemes in in aos versus like uh 40k way important that they're like yeah you you paint it and then it's your thing and that's that's that matters yeah yeah i agree and so you know if it's that that's my answer like if it's pretty much just like well whatever it's a small change it's not we're not really doing much of anything we're just kind of sanding off a few small bumps here and there but it's basically the same game i'm like okay yeah i'm happy with i'm happy enough with that that that's cool no complaints, no issues. We're all happy. Yeah. If if we introduce like major changes in in some big way, nah, I'm not about that life. Like I do not want back on the battle tome treadmill. Same. Do not want. Um, you know, I want to see them start fixing war scrolls more through stuff like Broken Realms. You know, I think Broken Realms is perfect. You know, there's a there's a challenge they're gonna have here where they they their book and box games division has like these crazy financial targets and it's just really hard year over year for them to keep hitting higher and higher targets because what are you going to print forever right you're going to print yourself into into oblivion so if you're not careful there's a couple things you brought up here um we had a someone asked a question on one of my like rando streams like where i'm just like playing a video game or uh i have this problem where i just like listen to music and talk to people and this this sort of like non-produced, non non-rentcast, non-podcast format. Someone asked me a question about Age of Sigmar and um, like the rollout and the the business side of stuff. And I landed on this um, 
you know, nerds will, if you're already indoctrinated into Age of Sigmar or Warhammer or whatever, you're just going to buy the thing. We're always buying the thing as a, as a, as a base. Like, right now, so you, you don't release Vampirates, right? I've already decided to buy into Slanesh. I got my, my Keeper Secrets here. I'm going to buy Sig- Sigvold. I know I'm, I'm, I've got like a year of shit I'm going to buy from your game. Sure. I'm locked in. I mean, we're going to get vampires in some way, but sure. Sure. Eventually. Yeah, it happens. Um, and when I had nothing to look forward to, when I was just like, I had my LON army, I, I decided to buy Beasts of Chaos and buy in on that army and stuff like that. And like, I'm not like, I love them because uh, they're like the most punk rock army in the in- entirety of Age of Sigmar and like, hell yeah, punk. Like, they're anarchists that like, fuck the system. Uh, if you pray to a god, you suck. Like, don't actively seek out a god. You know, like, there's there's some... I find stuff like... But, like, we always, as a community that's already part of the community, we find stuff to, like, continue to buy. You, I think, are, are pretty prolific in this respect. You're always fucking painting something. Sure. I would, from an outsider's perspective, be like, haven't you painted it all already? Is there anything left to paint? <laughs> you know? Like, I've only got 18 armies. <laughs> yeah. Like, how do you still... You're like... You had a... Oh yeah, like I painted my third of this thing, but I took my time with this one. It was a post you did on on Twitter or something recently. Oh my gosh, I'm I'm trying to get you to. Well, I did a, I did another chariot, like I did an exalted that was chariot. Was, yeah. That was yeah. Like, that was just a quick fun one, right? Like, yeah. I was like oh, I'll just knock this chariot out, but I mean it's like my fifth chariot, so whatever. Yeah, my, we, but that's the thing is like you didn't need a ton of new sculpts to like be painting. You're like ah, I'll revisit and like I'll paint the chariot if you're in Warhammer. You're gonna buy the thing and paint the thing, and you're always gonna like it's it's the hobby dollar, the entertainment dollar, the 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 market of entertainment has established that per paycheck essentially it's on a per paycheck basis that you you have this much disposable income, and marketing is really really good at going like this is what we as an entire entertainment industry and that includes movies and sports ball and everything, board games. Are like this is how much people just like throw away from their paycheck every week or sure. biweekly. Um, you're just already going to spend that money. We know you're spending that. So so when it comes to like Age of Sigmar, they know you're already spending that money. The the thing is indoctrinating new humans. Sure. Getting like new folks in on the uh, to ride the tide, and and that's where like new armies have been pretty important for them. Yeah. But at 100%. what point? What point does the scale tip to to reimagining existing armies to get new people? You can go either direction. I think that's what they proved. Like what what draws people in is hype. Like you know that's that's it. And and you you want something you can make hay over and have a lot of new exciting sculpts for and stuff like that. Like that's what's going to bring people in the door. And so if you're if you've got the hype machine going. Because you've got either KO, this completely new army imagined for AOS. Yes. Or you've got, uh, you know, some some uh, some awesome resculpts of Slaves to Darkness. There, there are markets, and you can pull from for both. There. Well, that's that's why elves. That's why elves. Why do we have a billion elf factions? Uh, because when people hear fantasy, elves, it's it's the thing that. The the because AOS, as I said earlier today on Rob's stream, is a shockingly unimaginative world of narrow possibilities compared to the broader world of fantasy. What? Reset that. <laughs> because, as I said earlier today on Rob's stream, AOS is a shockingly, and Warhammer in general is a shockingly narrow world compared to the broader realms of fantasy. 
Hmm. Uh, in in the broader realms of fantasy, mm-hmm. you and I are both big D and D players, as well as many other role playing. Yeah, okay. yeah. I mean, I I I I hate that D and D's become the shorthand because I've played so many more uh, RPGs, and I'm like, I like those more. But D and D is like the common parlance. So, sure, sure. That's the one I got to interface but, with. Yeah, that's fine. Like, my point is, let's just take D and D since it's the most well known commodity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh. Now, I understand the barrier of entry to make a new thing, as I said earlier, is much lower. What I mean by that is, like, if I want to make a new monster or a new race in D&D, that effectively means I have to go pay a concept artist to draw it, write a little block of rules about it, and my work is now complete, right? Like, done. I can introduce a new tome with, like, 50 new weird monsters or, or 10 new playable races or whatever, you know? Okay? And I can't do that in uh in warhammer right like it can't be that fast mm-hmm. but 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 we've had an awful long time to still basically have dwarves elves and humans okay like is that it is that fantasy that's what we got huh mm-hmm. no like you know we even Eberron. We, 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 Eberron jumps up. You're talking about all this stuff. I'm like, Eberron with Warforge. We're like, here's a fucking new thing for once. I'm like, yes. Changeling. Kalistar. Yes, absolutely. Or just like Dragonborn or Tieflings. These are all just playable things. In my game right now, I'm playing one of my favorite characters I've played in a while since the last character I played two weeks ago. Uh, when we when we ended up, that character ended at level 20, we actually went to finish a level 1 to level 20 campaign. It was amazing. Metal. Yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. But, like, now I'm playing a new character. He's a grung, and he's awesome, and I love him. And uh, he's a little frog person. Mm-hmm. And uh, me and my buddy are both we're both grungs. We're grung brothers. We talk with outrageous Italian accents because we decided that's what grungs talk like. Uh, and why, why, uh, I'm Italian. Why else would I have this outrageous accent for? Correct, uh, yes. Monty Python again tonight. Thank you. Let's and, take a drink. Uh, it's just like... That's just, you know, we, we used to have halflings. Not Those are gone. We don't have those anymore. There's no gnomes. There's no shape-shifting changelings. There's no warforged. There's no golems. Giants are just big, dumb, drunk idiots. There's not storm giants and frost giants and cloud giants and sand and sea. Dragons are just weird, amorphous monsters. There's not metallic dragons and chromatic dragons and gem dragons and... Shadow dragons. Yeah, you don't you don't and... fuck with sapphire dragon or amethyst dragons, the psychic ones. You don't fuck with those. They fuck you up. Go on. Yeah, sure. Like you can keep like but my point is I could go on like this forever. Mm-hmm. Right? Like it's not even close. It's not even in the same ballpark. You know, uh, like how limited the fantasy is of Warhammer. It's it's like this rote basic thing of and, and this is once we moved it into an actually interesting world. Yeah, the myth Thank mythical yeah, Age of Sigmar is like interesting. It's not stuffy like old old Hammer was. Right. Right. Like I love the world I love the Mortal Realms. Love them because they're basically Planescape and Planescape was always my yes. favorite DD. Planescape realm. Torment, Planescape, yes, one hundred percent. All my I the the rolling joke in my like D D games that I run is they all become Planescape eventually. Like sure. I just, I will always. It's like a, it's like a doomsday clock until it's, it's Planescape, sure. every time. Like, uh, by the way, the game you're in right now, Soulbound, with me, it's just a doomsday clock until like Planescape, and I'm trying to wait out Cubicle Seven to see if they give me another realm than Axie or if I have to make everything up. Sure. <laughs> like it's just like I'm like you're gonna give me another realm, right? 
You're gonna give me another round? No, oh, you, you're still committed to Axie, because you know, like, this game is jumping the sharks soon. Like, they're gonna, like, go through a realm gate and, and be in Kerr. Right, like, it's just a matter of time, and now I have to, like, cobble it all together. I'm like, how much work do you want to make me do? Because, for me... I'm running a little soulbound game for some people next weekend, uh, remotely over, like, Discord, and we're gonna be in Gairan, because I'm gonna set, I set the game in Greywater Fastness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which just, I don't know if you've read the story of Greywater Fastness, but it's just such a... Greywater Blastness? Yeah. Uh, yes, indeed. It's such a great setting to, to play a game in, because, like, the main enemy around the the city is uh, Sylvaneth, mm-hmm. um, because of the they're led by like a, a a big angry tree lord, and they're all spite revenants. So like that, they live in this swamp. They're sort of swamp Sylvaneth, and they're real angry at how the the gray water fastness has poisoned the land and stuff. Like that's fantastic. Oh yeah, it's 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 Final Fantasy VII. Go on. Uh, sure, absolutely. So, um. Yeah, I mean, like, I would just love to see us actually explore some different concepts. Make up new world. shit. Make up new shit. Yeah. You have. I inf- hate that it's like so conservative, right? Because it's all elves, dwarves, humans. Well, because you- yes, I understand ogres are also a thing in there occasionally, but okay, that's. I'll give you ogres just for the for the for the pedantic people in the back of the room. <laughs> uh, this is where I like uh, I like bone reapers. What a fresh take on skeletons. I love it. Like the the con- sure. bone construct. Like yeah, let's yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. No, no, it's it's. Let's it's go good. go more Bloodborne for me though. I want like the the crazy horror amalgams. I want more Gel- uh, Del Toro. I want more like Guillermo in here. I want to sure. Hang on. I, I, I gotta... could have been fish people. You know, we could get we could get crazy whatever. Like you know, uh, there's there's the, the, it's a it's a realm of infinite possibilities. That I don't feel like we're really tapping into because Warhammer has such this narrow view on on fantasy and and what it represents, and it's just unfortunate. I, I want to see it go farther. That's that's my feeling about that. Like I think of having a, an army of like interesting elementals made of the elements of Shai or sorry of the of the realms, not just Shaiish, but of of all the realms where their different kinds of elementals bound together and gaining sentience and having intelligence like the realms themselves fighting back against the things that occupy them that sounds cool as all get out that could be an interesting destruction army because it could be like the realms themselves having agency and force and uh, you know instinct and will and uh that's a cool story we're not telling and that's unfortunate uh you know like and i mean we're again there's so much of just the other rote stuff that we haven't explored. Uh, as somebody said, like, yes, uh, you know, mummies, sure. Like, mummies is a super classic archetype that disappeared from the game. Uh, I mentioned golems already. Uh, what else is there? Like, all the all the various fey creatures, pixies and nixies and griggs and satyrs and, and centaur, no presence in the game. I understand there are, like, two different centaurs, technically. Uh, sure. Werewolves. Uh, um, you know, gosh, I'm just trying to think of like the most basic stuff. It's like not even we're not like we're not getting weird. You know, we're not going too far off. I'm talking just like the most basics of like this. This is what most fantasy stuff contains. Uh, sure. Yeah. All the different lycanthropes. Yeah, absolutely. Not just werewolves, but Werebears and werebores and were rats. I guess we have Skaven. That's not really a were rat. Were sharks. 
Um, wear sharks, nice. Wear sharks, buddy. That's right. Wear camels, by the way, made my friend quit D and D. That was a the whole other ter- uh, uh, thing. No, like you're you're right about like doing these like rote fantasy things, and like finally you have a thing to just go crazy with. Um, but I think this and comes- again, go this ahead. could be like the 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 key with that is. We're still in basic stuff, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like we haven't gotten weird yet, mm-hmm. right? We haven't gotten into like the aberrations, and and you know the the I understand that some of those things are very much D and D I P, but I mean I'm just giving you like the, the, Cth- like the beholders and illithids and all the Cthuloid and the Cthulian right? and the the cosmic horror, the displacer mm-hmm. beasts and shit like the, the like out there stuff. We're- yeah, like. We're, we're just so far off of, like, what we could really be doing, you know? So, I guess, you gotta, I feel like then you gotta kind of consolidate down the rote, the, the standard dwarves, elves, yada yada. You kind of gotta consolidate that down. Because we're we're pushing 30 armies right now? 32? 24. 20, eh, alright. Um, couple more armies, we'll, we'll, we'll be pushing 30. You got you got to rein some of that back in. You can't just keep releasing new elf, new elf, new elf, new human, no human, new dwarf, new dwarf, and then like now we have thirty armies, and it's just like, what's your flavor of dwarf? What's your you know your scoop of ice cream on top of the sundae? Like, at some point, you got to like consolidate that down and go weird, right? Like maybe they don't, maybe they never do that, but like I feel like if ever you could. This is your time to, like, put the fucking stamp down. The beholder, right? Like, because a lot of what Gary Gygax uh, and uh, they did was they kind of, like, they retranslated folklore, essentially, and, and mythology. Sure. And But then they're like, no, 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 here's all, like, totally unique perspective. Boom, beholder. That's why it's one of, like, the big copywritten things. Because it's yeah. never existed before. At some point, Games Workshop has to, instead of doing what have been, like, Legally distinct from mummies, right? Us, the Ark Bone Reapers. Legally distinct from being an Egyptian aesthetic, right? Legally distinct from, you know, they moved away from those things because the 3D print market and so on and so forth. I think they found a better way to beat it, by the way, by just having better sculpts. Yeah, I agree. Like, you you can't... Yeah, you can win through quality, yes. Yeah, and that's what they've done. So, like, now you don't need to win through, like, hey, we got a trademark on the thing. Space Marines. Are... Yeah, I mean the trademark thing has largely been overblown. I don't think that's actually the goal. It's not about trademark and, and that kind of thing. It's it's not in that way. Mm-hmm. I think people misunderstand what that means. Like why why you want to give things weird names is not because you want it quote unquote trademarkable. That's not actually the instinct. The instinct is that the aesthetic, the look, and the greater feeling of the thing is wholly yours. Yeah. Okay. And there's a lot of like marketing and search engine optimization type stuff happening here, right? Where, uh, you know, you it, it, you want to make sure that when people look on the internet or search for things, they find only your stuff. And if you give things weird names, it's not just that it's legally protectable. I mean, I'm not saying that's no part of it. Right. I'm saying that's actually kind of a minimal part of it. The real instinct here is when you, when you do that kind of stuff, then if you... Um, and somebody searches for Adeptus Astartes, right? They're going to find your figs or whatever, right? right? If they search for Ossiarch Bone Reapers, they find your Or, stuff, yeah, not as opposed to, like, generic skeleton. Yeah. yeah, yeah, or Space Marine, because Space Marine, you know, existed, you know, Starship Troopers, and we, we all know the origin, right? Um, 
the the um my I wasn't Second going best uh, Verhoeven movie. Yes, I agree. <laughs> uh, I I wasn't going that direction. Um, no, I, I like Tomb Kings. Like Tomb Kings is like even take away the unique trying to give it a unique name because you could be like Kemri, Kemri dude sure. stuffs, right? Um, Kemri dude stuffs. But like then you just look and you're like, oh, these are fucking mummies with an Egyptian aesthetic. They had to do something more. That's where I was more going with it, not like just like the straight up trademarking a name, um, like. Sure, they wanted to stand out. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm with you. I get you. Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be something that where the design itself feels like it's wholly theirs, right? Yeah, yeah. But but again, and and this comes back and folds back into what you were talking about. Like I I want to see the mortal realms stuff more. Mm-hmm. I just I want to see the the. The race of, like, uh, there's actually this awesome race in, in World of Warcraft uh, that you run into, like, in Burning Crusade, where they're, like, bound spirit, like, uh, etheric energy beings, and they're in, like, mm-hmm. the cool little purple domes and stuff, and they look like pseudo-mummy, pseudo-like yeah, archmage and I'm like, I, endless spell race, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Like, there's got to be something going on where, like, because these, these, there's these endless spells going around, and we've got, like, bound endless spells and stuff like that. There's got to be, like, this whole culture around the endless spell worshipping, you know. Like, a purple yep. sun shows up on the horizon, and it just consumes. I know on the table it's kind of, like, meh. But, like, the the what that would be like to be, like, a, a species inhabiting a plane, and then, like, this, this just purple sun is just roaming around consuming shit. What does that culture look like that's seen that shit and like, yo, we're going to, like, throw people into the volcano of the Purple Sun to, like, sustain, sure. like, like I want that. I want more of that. Sure. I I'm, sure. I don't want to hear how your elves are different from other people's elves anymore. I'm done with yeah. that. I want to hear how your world is different with, yep. like, extensions of your world. Because I know what an elf is. I'm sorry. Like, um... I know your iterations of elves, just like uh, vampires. I know what a vampire is, and I'm a big stand for vampires and vampirates and stuff like that. I should have probably worn my uh, my vampirate shirt that I bought uh, from your merch store, and thank you for doing that finally. But a uh, coffee cup win. Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Um, like, like I, like I love fucking vampires, but I don't want to hear about the thing I hate the most about vampire fiction is like you telling me how your vampire is different from Anne Rice's vampire. Right. Get fucked. Sure. Like I don't care about that. Like, right. like I don't care how your thing that is an established trope is different from other people's established trope. I like because for me to enjoy that trope, like I'm already on board. I like I get it. So like, give me something new. War Warforged is one of the th- ones I come back to. Eberron is like fantastic because they're mm-hmm. like, hey, look at your like fantasy world. Here's a bunch of sh- just awesome new shit for once. Yeah, here's a here's a gnome with a gun with a with a uh, robotic cockatrice on top of a moving lightning rail shooting against a trying to take out another spy before she can get the the communi- so she can get the communication crystal back to the the uh, the dark lanterns in time to avert another all out war. What? That is amazing. Like that world sounds incredible. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so, like, yes, I agree completely. Ebron is such a compelling world. (laughs) That's the takeaway point right here. (laughs) Um, Everything eventually evolves into a crab, yes. It's true. 
Um, tons of species like became a crab. But like, where are my crab people? Fine. Like you've, they can make sculpts that push the boundaries of what even logistically makes sense. Now, sure. they've just done some like fantastic. Like I, Void Dragon is my pick of twenty twenty. By the way, if you're wondering, I don't think anyone was. You knew I was going to pick something Necron because there wasn't a new OBR thing this year. Um, <laughs> yeah, he was great. It could have been Sigvold, but I don't think we count Sigvold as being out, do we? No, he's he's twenty twenty one. Yeah, so he wins. He wins twenty twenty one. It's a slam dunk already. Like the sure. he's in slow motion currently. Dunking it's, on... He's taking it. He's taking it in January. Yeah, like he's already. He's already. We know he's got the Oscar in January. It's it's one of those very rare releases. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But so right now it's like Void Dragon. Like, um, like I want to like, I I want to see risks taken. I've seen you already, like, just make the craziest shit. The way they, like, they basically translated binary into, like, a sculpt. That is, like, the with that model. I'm like, I know I believe in them. Because I, I, I do think, and this is something I always come back to, even though I'm not, like, I'm not a premier hobbyist, I, I kind of suck at hobby. It's it's my weakest fear. Uh, I'm a good gamer. Uh, I'm a writer by training and kind of trade. I've got a couple stories published. Uh, like, so, like, I know I can hammer the narrative and, like, hobby I suck at, but, like, it's still a game I'm, be like, beholden to because of the hobby. Uh, if the hobby didn't, like, bring it all home for me, I'd play a different game, you know? Right, right. And, and so, like, I want to see them just be weird. I... I think 30 armies... You can't keep releasing the new army of elves and dwarves and humans forever. You gotta do something unique. That's why Tyranids are kind of cool. Like, I know that they're, they're xenomorphs, right? They, they're H.R. Uh, Giger-inspired body blahs. But it's, it's something that's uniquely Warhammer 40k. For yeah. when, it, when, it, you know, when it comes right down to it. Even, mm -hmm. like, Necrons, I'd posit, like... Yeah, I remember the original Necron sculpts in the 90s... You could only buy blister packs as an army. And, like, I went, oh, Terminator. Right? Like, but what I look at right now, it's like, that feels uniquely 40, 40k. There's nothing quite like the Necron aesthetic around. This weird harmony of of uh, Egyptian gods, uh, Stargate style, uh, meets, like, undead space skeletons, meets fucking binary dragon gods. Like, right. awesome. Do that for Age of Sigmar. Yeah. Fantasy paints inside the lines too much for me, personally. Which is why, like, I write, paradoxically, I write and resonate the most with, with like, uh, sci-fi. But I consume the most fantasy games. It's I don't know this about... I don't know why I'm like this, personally. Like, uh, you know, my, my favorite writers are sci-fi writers. My favorite stuff I write is, like, more on the sci-fi side. But, like, I hate 40k. And I, like, if you unfurl Twilight Imperium... Because the world is fundamentally uninteresting. What's that? But because the world is fundamentally uninteresting. Yeah, world is boring. Like, I, you know, I don't find the it's two seconds to midnight always as an interesting and compelling sustainable story. Mm. That's a cool one-shot story. Like, it'd be a neat world to talk about, like... Yeah, Shadowrun, you know, right? Well... I mean, Shadowrun's a cool world to play in because because Shadowrun, Shadowrun, you can topple a corporation. I mean, the sad part of it is in the end, a different megacorp will rise up to take its place. Of course, right? Like, 
but you can have victories. Like Shadowrun's not two minutes to midnight. The corporations want people to stay around, mm-hmm. right? The ultimate end of of the 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 ultimate end of the forty k universe is Oblivion. Megacorps aren't pulling for Oblivion in Shadowrun, right? Fair, they don't fair, want fair point. Fair point. Well, they want to keep they con- just want the domination of of you know commercial control of everything. Well, this is right? it's it's OBR like OBR's industry. They don't want to slaughter the cattle. They want to continue to like breed the cattle and harvest the cattle gradually and take over everything like i guess i mean ultimately nagash does want to kill everybody and he's their boss so sure i get it i get your point i understand their story although i would say <laughs> in the end like uh i i disagree hey, deaths hey that's the end is the worst most oh no it's no i've i know i've 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 had discussions about like if i wrote the end of age of sigmar from each perspective i think i could write you like a really good nagash ending but, like, then you also feel, like, super unsatisfied and lonely. Right. Like, and I'm like, but that's kind of cool. Because, like, he's a horrible, like, end game. If he wins, it sucks. It's, like, the worst end. If Na- worst ending, yes. if if Nagash wins, it's the worst ending. Because, right. like, it really is, like, uniform and boring. It's the worst ending. But it because makes him, there, like, a... There are, there are four possible endings of the world if we just go by the Grand Line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? If order wins, it's cool. You get an you actually could get free will matters. Yeah. yeah, you could have an interesting game where chaos was completely defeated. Yep, yep, thousand percent. Like, it'd still be a completely interesting game. Yeah, and chaos is gone. Chaos is gone, and now it's now on the will of will of the mortal species and races to like kind of like. And you uh, have interesting wars and all. of that. Yeah, stuff. and like it continues. Like life, life goes on. Life finds a way. This is the Jurassic Park ending. You're right. And destruction can't win because it's not in its nature to win. It's in its nature to literally destroy. That's itself. like, but that's that's a that's the twenty twenty. What was it? The twenty twelve movie. The yeah. the hurricane ends up and just like it's all over. And you're like, awesome. You're like nature yeah, took it, back the earth. It's just very hard for natural disasters to actually kill everybody and everything and yeah. stop all civilization, right? Unless it's like, because they're they're not a meteorite, right? They're they're hurricanes. They're not meteorites. That's. Yeah, Basically, well, the bad moon is, but no, I get what you're saying. Yeah, so like destruction just doesn't win in the end. If death wins, it's boring. It's the worst ending because it's then just like it is literally an infinity of everybody just standing still. Yep, that's it. And there's like one guy who's just one will. There's like, a single will left. Yeah. Yep. And uh, if chaos wins, it becomes a cosplay rave party, twenty four seven. Apparently, that's <laughs> I wouldn't have expected that to be the case. But then they showed me what happens when Chaos takes over a realm when we've seen the eight points. And when Chaos owned the eight points, we got Warcry. And apparently what happens is you dress up in your favorite Chaos God cosplay and <laughs> you go punch it up in a Mad Max. You're, like, you're just like party? party. No, yeah. no, I, I, I would have... So apparently, if, it's, if, if, if Chaos <laughs> wins, it's just Chaos, Thunderdome... Murder rave, rave party, yeah. Murder rave, yeah, that's... Which I mean, okay, I could see that game being pretty interesting too. Yeah, no, I, I, I do think like um, this isn't a point against or for death. It's the Matrix. If death wins, it's the Matrix, right? Like, because in, in, inevitably, like Nagash realizes, like he's got to keep harvesting bones and souls, and the only way he can is to have Neo and the One and the Matrix. Like, like Nagash's ultimate plan is just like the the Matrix eventually. Like he, he he conceded with OBR by giving them a modicum of free will. You know, like he blends the souls and that's again it's a horrible ending. 
But it's a yes. it's a cool like modus operandi. Have free will until they don't. Yeah. Right. Like Nagash extends like he doesn't have time to think for all these people. Like he, that's a lot of work. He's a god, but he's got stuff to do. Right. He's still like he's quite powerful, but there's still limits. Right. So he gives people free will that he knows are going to act more or less in his accordance. But the day he decides to like be like, no, now you do this, Done. they do that. Yeah. You know, that's it. Like they snap into they snap into into function like a robot. Right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's the Matrix robot programming. Like yeah, it's... They, have, they have this sort of illusion. Uh, you know what it actually is? It's I'll, I'll tell you exactly what it is. You know the RoboCop remake? I didn't watch it. Yeah, so it's not good. Okay. Sad robot. Sad I, yes, love sad, I love sad robots. Sure, sad robots are great. <laughs> um, so anyways, the RoboCop remake was not a good movie. Very nice. But it actually explored the concepts of like free will for the for RoboCop in a really interesting way that the original movie didn't. Oh, okay. Where, where like there's this sort of interesting thing that's happening with Gary Oldman in the movie. And and sort of here's what ends up happening. It's always Gary Oldman because he's cool, dude. Yeah, I I guess like uh, like uh as a human he kind of sucks, but as an actor he's just like great the greatest actors ever are like blank slate template humans. Like sure. I, I know nothing about his personal life or in person. Oh, like he he sucks. Like he he just like actually okay. kind of sucks. But like well, like Tom Cruise actively kind of sucks. But he's a fantastic yeah, sure. actor. Sure. Like he's a anyway, top notch. Go on, go on, go on. There's a there's a thing that happens in there where basically when they first make RoboCop, it's just like the guy's brain. It's just him. Like he's not a robot. Like it's just that dude in a cyborg body, right? I want to know. Yeah. Sure. And then, but the problem is they're having it's trouble, like... techno-necromancy, let's go. Sure. They're having trouble kind of controlling him. And so what they realize they can do is they can, like, nest the programming and the control sort of in his subconscious. He thinks he has free will. They actually, like, explore this in a really kind of... It's not a huge part of the movie. It's just, like, this little passing thing for, like, It's cool, minutes. though. It's cool, though. But it's a fascinating take of, like, no, no. He, the, like, he believes he has free will. He's making conscious decisions. The trick is we're his subconscious. We're deciding what those decisions are, but he's unaware of it, right? So to his perception, he has complete free will, but we can tip the scales anytime we want, right? Like we can make him do or act or be whatever we want him to be, but it will seem to him, but it's invisible to him. Well, I mean, you can think about it as like, he thinks he's doing all the stuff and then like if you have like the controls right and then like now you're gonna remember that that tragic death of your puppy yeah exactly yes and you're like and now suddenly in that situation where the puppy thing is going on you're like you act a certain accordance with like your memories of who the construct of who you believe you are right yep yeah yeah on, and that's Nagash, right? He's ultimately yes. in there. He's down in there just waiting. Like, you, you're you're doing stuff. You're making decisions. But if he wants to, he just goes, nope. This yeah. is what's going on. I Again, uh, I like villains. OBR. Uh, super compelling villain. Super, like, I love him as a villain. But, like, it's the worst end <laughs> of, like, Age of Sigmar. Worst end. Um, like, the, 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 the illusion of free will. And this is from a like zoom out for a moment, like philosophically human, right? Like, sure. uh, like our we have our, our certain uh, like uh, uh, pre pre derelicts. Like we we have our, our certain programming, the experiences we have, the the things we we go through, our brain chemistry, 
like how much does free will truly exist right like this is a fundamental question that philosophers have asked forever how much of that do we really have and i find that utterly fascinating personally sure you like uh, i don't have an answer uh, i i have a thought that free will is is largely an illusion cuz i think you're going to act on stimulus and response mostly based on your history and your genetic stuff that that is just put together which is why sure. i think like Osiric Bone Reapers are pretty awesome because he's like literally blending your memories and your souls and your body and it's so cool. But on the other hand, the fact that we can roll snake eyes or boxcars and just do something that is outside of all that programming is what makes being a human kind of like magical to me. In the, in the way that like Sagan had a poetic way of saying like we're all stardust. Like Sure. Like there's I think there's a magic to reality that of all of the combinations of genetics and all of the the, the time-lapse expanse of, of, of existence, you, my friend, Vince, exist right now at the same t- period in time that I exist, and that's sure. pretty magical to me. Like It's Dr. Manhattan's speech on Mars. Hmm. Yeah. Like that, that's what you just... That, that's the argument you just put out there, right? Um, yes, well, that like the, the million, million, million things that had to happen to lead to you at this moment, and all the, not just the decisions you made in your life, but all the million things before it. And it's a miracle that you exist here in this moment with me. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's a, a, a thousand miracles you see before you every day, right? The, the magic of this is that, that is existence. Yeah, it's what it's what ultimately ends up changing Doctor Manhattan's mind and puts gets him involved in the in the situation. In the plot, right? yeah, 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 yeah. Um, sure. Uh, I mean, I don't. Ultimately, it's maybe that's like way too deep for, for like a. No, fucking... it's fine. I mean, I tend to probably agree with probably like Sam Harris's take on free will, and, and which I think is in a strain of philosophy that I tend to agree with. That there's no such thing, but it also doesn't really matter. Like it's fairly irrelevant because it. Yes, that doesn't exist, but it does it, it, in in the same RoboCop way. It's not. It's not accessible in a way that actually matters. So to to you there you have it, but you don't. But it's irrelevantly different. Mm-hmm. Like it's it it's it does not it, it the fact that it isn't there is pretty irrelevant. The fact that you believe you have it is all that is actually well the relevant. illusion of free will, right? Like this comes back yeah. to like player agency in video in 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 video games and Warhammer and all that stuff. Like we 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 want to believe that our decisions matter in the game. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think when you th- this is I, this is why I want to do the NPE survey a lot. By the way, I don't have much more time. I need to go here soon, so we'll yeah, yeah, yeah. close this up. But you know, one of the reasons that I want to do a an NPE survey is because I really want to dive into how people feel about this. Because I want to know is it truly you know you and I have talked a lot about the idea of player agency. People talk around people throw around the words like interactivity a lot, stuff like that, right? And my question is, how much is it that stuff? And how much is it just, like, raw certain things people don't like? Yeah. Okay? Like, because, you know, super high defense, for example. Well, there's still plenty of agency there. I can choose to fight that unit or not. I can choose to, you know, list build to take the right kind of units in all the mortal might... wounds and rent two i can have right yeah exactly right like there are the most armies can make some kind of choices like that now admittedly not everybody and that's always a challenge when you get to sort of extreme versions of armies is that not all armies have an infinite versatility to be able all the to handle tools and so on yeah. And so forth. yeah exactly 
Um, but like, you know, does the, but you know, so I can choose to fight the thing or not. I can choose to list build around that thing or not. You know, I, when I'm rolling against it, they can still fail rolls, right? Like, like stuff is still happening in the game, right? That is theoretically interactive. Like we haven't ticked any of those boxes of agency or interactivity. And yet I think that's in my mind, probably still NPE, but I'm not sure it is right. Like, is that just my bias or do people agree with that? I mean, we're talking, I'm trying to aggregate bias effectively yeah. in, a, in a way here. Right. Yeah. And, and so trying to figure out how much of our biases are just like, we hate this thing full stop. Yeah. Right. Like no, no other, we don't, there's no root cause underneath that, that I can archeologically. Yeah. yeah dig we just, down we to. hate this. Yeah. Right. Like, Prima facie, it's bad, right? Yeah. Or is it we hate this thing if it does these because, other things, like remove these, yeah. these things? And and honestly, I don't know. And I think it's a tough line to walk. Some things are so clearly over the line, right? Like like original Slanesh, original recipe Slanesh. Right? It was so clearly over the line. It was just easy to identify. It was ticking all the boxes no matter how you cut it, right? Mm-hmm. So it was just like, yeah, obvious. Well, original Flushy to Quartz was like that first, like, way out of bounds for me moment. Yeah, personally. sure. Like, oh, so if like, I charge you and get the drop on you and play smart, I, you kill me and lose nothing. Anyway, yeah. If you charge me, you kill me and lose nothing. If like, if if great. I magically get the drop on you and charge you and kill you, you still still get the return investment on your piece. You still get to kill me and then probably activate again, pile in another three inches and kill something six inches away. Like, <laughs> like what is happening? Yeah, what is no, going on in this game? that was, for me, like, I, I felt numb to Slanesh, how out of bounds Slanesh was, because for me, like, like we talk about, like, Skaven. Skaven's, like, great offense was that it got to do all of the stuff in the same way. It list. was too cheap, yeah. It was, like, the easiest fix because it was all points-based. Yeah. But, like, Flesh of Your Course was, like, doing something fundamentally to the game that, like, went against everything I believed in decision-making. Right. You know, like, because, like, I'm, like, yeah. I can outplay a bad player, right? Like, I can, like, I, oh, even if you're... they live in a golden parachute. Like, there is no, <laughs> no catching like, them. Yeah. You you cut the strings on their first golden parachute, they've got, like, four more ready <laughs> yeah. to go. Yeah, that was, for me, that was, like, this huge, like, I had to rethink everything I believed about the game at that moment, because I'm, like... I can't even outplay bad players. Bad players beat me now. Like yeah, that sure. that yeah. moment. Like because when... it was truly just like the. It doesn't matter what you do. I can always do my thing, and my thing will always win. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think Slanesh had. They were more out of bounds as an army in terms of like the aggregate and the the numbers and everything going on. But like that feeling of like it doesn't matter what I do was at its its fever pitch with with that first fleshy to courts release where i'm like yeah yeah i literally just outplayed you on the table and fuck <laughs> you know like <laughs> right. <laughs> right um no, no no but but going back to sort of this um wrapping up here um you you talk about like the the sort of cognitive bias and and where is that npe um i'm utterly fascinated by this because i i, I think we need to define it like I, I don't think we have a good definition yet um sure and the thing that kind of broke my brain was your research on dominate in uh, Dungeons yeah, and Dragons. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, it broke my, it utterly broke my ba- brain because like player agency was the thing I held most sacrosanct. In as a GM, is always have your players be uh, present and have agency over their characters. I will never 
dominate your character. I will never do the thing where I overtake your agency as a GM. Sure. Right. Um, yep. That's why I always lean towards, like, confusion and Tasha's hideous laughter. Because, like, whilst it robs you of agency, I don't control your agency. And so for me, like, Dominate felt like the most out-of-bounds spell in the whole game. Of... Yeah, and, and what ended up happening when I, you know, surveyed... This this was obviously a small survey, but it was everybody in sort of a, a fairly large group of people I played with. So this is about 10 people who were who were putting it together. And when I, when I surveyed them, what I actually found is that, like, the lowest rated things, the things people hated the most, that had the most NP, were the things you're talking about. Right? So Tasha's. stun... Well, stu- like stun and talk things that would just take you out. So your your action becomes nothing, no. right? Those no. rated like on this X Y axis. Those were way down here. Least fun, least want to see it, right? You're stunned. You're paralyzed. You're yep, yep, exactly. Where I just I take no action. Confusion was like actually kind of in the middle. I like confusion. I think confusion's great because because rando. confusion there was still like oh it could be interesting. I could act normally. I could attack my friends, but then there's some small chance I do nothing. So it's kind of in the middle. Dominate was like way up here. It was like super powerful and certainly robbing of like it was like because we were kind of rating it on this power versus how much we want to see it axis, right? And so stun was like we hate to see it and it's very very powerful. And then you kind of go backwards from there as you you know depending on what you're removing from the player, right? Mm-hmm. Movement you can't move but you can still like talk. Right, it's like somewhere over here on the x axis as opposed to stun, which is way over here. You know whatever, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and but like dominate was just all the way up in the corner. It was fives in both, right? Like, people loved it because in the end, man, is it fun to kind of punch your friends sometimes. Like, that's pretty fun. <laughs> it's super fun to just turn around and go, oh, oh, oh you're in for it now. I've wanted to know what would happen if I punch your character I've, for like 10 levels. Like, and now we're going to find out, buddy. Yeah. Bam. You've been bragging about your AC this whole time, bud. Like, let's go. Right? Like, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. So I think there's just, there, like, it, it feels like you're still doing. Because you're still taking actions. And you know, it's funny because uh, obviously there's still like a character level to it. Like I've had certain characters who I just would never want to be dominated with and took steps to avoid that like very hardcore. Like, Oh, we had, we had a barbarian uh, in one of our parties where like his whole thing is like he can mechanically one shot anybody in the whole yeah. party. I don't mean that. It was never. I was never out of like fear of killing another player because I don't care. I'll turn around and whack another player unconscious. Like <laughs> very hard to die. That doesn't matter. That never bothered me. I just mean like narratively, the character would find the idea of someone else controlling their brain offensive. Yes. Not Vince the player, right? Like I was. I, I played this guy who was. Um, like I played this guy named Dreadlord Ball. And Dreadlord Vol was a Zentarum, and he was obviously like a Dreadlord, so one of the five Dreadlords over the Zentarum. And uh, like Dreadlord Vol had layers and layers of protections to make sure that like people could never control him or or what he was doing. It was right? like, like central was, to his character, to his to his makeup. He yeah. is singular in purpose and function and 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 will, yeah. right? And nothing the, will break that for him. He is the RoboCop like. My agency, my me, my oneness, like this is central. This is sacrosanct, right? right. But you know, I've had other characters like I in our in our recent game that we went to twenty, which was an all wizard game. I was playing like a fairly all wizards, all humans, uh, and it was amazing. But like, um, because it was set in an alternate version of eighteen nineties Earth, so or you were mentioning you were talking about this, yeah, um, 
1870. It was 1880 by the end of the game. And and the GM was, like, super thorough. And a good man. He's incredibly thorough, yes. Uh, super thorough it was a, with the, the time. It was an amazing game. I cannot begin to... It would, obviously, I can't wrap up 20 levels of a game, but yes. The simplest way I could say it is that it was that, that game was the answer to the question, what would happen if magic was gas-powered? That's that's it. There you go. Awesome. Cool. Um, Good to have so a premise anyways, like that. Sure. Good, good premise. True. Absolutely. Very simple question. Horrible, horrible, horrible answer, it turns out. Um, <laughs> the... Um, the but my character was like a melee bruiser okay so like i was a transmuter and i was the melee fighter uh most of the time i fought unarmed and stuff like that like lots of different ways lots of different methods different things i would do to be good at fighting and as i'm still a pure wizard although i did well, i had one level of fighter at level 11 so i was a 19 wizard pick one fighter those, you gotta pick up those two feats buddy uh not just 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 level 11 so that was it and uh it was just enough to get like uh, I wanted to be able to wield swords and stuff like that. Uh, and... Merry Christmas, my dude, Fluke Skywalker. Merry Christmas to you. Hey, too. there you go. Merry Christmas to you. Uh, Merry Christmas to everybody there. Uh, and um, the uh, the reality was, like, that guy got dominated multiple times, and I mean, I would turn around and just straight clock party members cold. Like, I would just, well, this is going to be a bad day for you. <laughs> Boom. Because, I mean, I hit like a truck when i hit people and so like i would turn around and just clock out party members and be like well somebody better get me out of this sorry wham you know just like so when when the gm takes over your character were you still rolling the dice or the gm roll your dice no i'm rolling the dice absolutely he would say like the gm will dominate and he'll be like uh you know like there was i i remember there was one encounter where a succubus we were how do i set this up in the minimal amount of time okay we were in Maine, which is a Stephen King Cthulhu sort of nightmare part of the world. And yes! Dracula Hell yeah. had come, like Dracula, like Vlad Dracul, the historical person, but who was also a very like, powerful from, vampire. Yeah, Wallachia, yes. w- 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 like, yeah, yeah. Yes, had come to visit the castle that our that Stephen that King one of our party members' <laughs> parents owned because they owned a mine for this mana. And in him visiting, uh, Van Helsing caught up with them, which delayed him escaping because he had to flee into the castle, which meant their castle started turning into Dracula's castle because where he goes, if he stays for too long, I... his castle comes with him. And okay, so Wh- who's the GM? Because started... they're like my favorite human right now. But for, for me, I, I think that like uh, uh, time is a co- it's a continuum to Castlevania. Like, uh, sure. Like, oh, you would have loved this particular little section of the game. Yeah, this is like uh, it's just a continuum towards Castlevania. That's 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 my whole like ethos sure, as a human. Yeah. Sure. So we had to go through a bunch of. So once it fully became, we had, we had to like evacuate everybody who was it hiding in the castle. Fully became Valley, Dracula's and then fully castle. Fully became Dracula's castle, and now we got to go back in and find him. Bowed we were like about killing him. <laughs> we just needed to find him. We were actually upset with Van Helsing because he was the one. Like Dracula was there to help one of our party members' brothers who had become a vampire. But didn't oh, like Dracula is a man of, of honor. He, you know, like... Yeah, if... he was there to help because uh, <laughs> because this guy had become a vampire didn't know what it was all about. Vampires weren't actually, like, a thing in the world. They were they were very rare, right? Just how in, in, in most Dracula stories, Dracula's a pretty singular character, yes. right? Yeah. Um, this is the only other point of fact. This, their brother, her, her this character's brother, was the only other vampire we ever met in the world. And 
so he had come to help and then got saved. So we were actually pissed at Van Helsing and trying to get him. We were going to try to go find him. But we were like, all right, well, let's go talk to this Dracula guy because he probably he doesn't even know his castle's taking over. So <laughs> so we had to fight our way through and there was eventually a succubus because he, he had all of his defenses came with him, too. And he had like demons. Yeah, all like the, like this. And Dracula's got like a, like some floozies that just like and yeah. like and he, so can't, the, he can't. You know, yeah, the 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 succubus charmed me, and I turned around and punched out our uh, uh, our sorcerer. Just like because we did have one sorcerer in the group who was in world. There was this huge weird narrative thing. It was very dangerous for her to be a sorcerer. She's the only sorcerer probably on the continent, and she didn't need gas. Components and yeah, yeah, yeah. And which made her like a living science experiment. If the majocracy ever got a hold of her, they'd dissect her like an alien and try to figure out because she would she would cut out the need for that. Anyways. I turn and clock her unconscious, and I then my fiance, who was also with us, was just like, ugh, and re-dominated me, and was like, no, kill her. Because <laughs> my character was engaged at that point, so. My my fiance was not willing to put up with me being dominated, and so just re-dominated me over top of her dominating. <laughs> and then had me punch a succubus unconscious. Oh, that's fantastic. I, oh, man. That, that's, there's so much, like, there's so many layers of, like, awesome going on here. So, um, my first thing is, like, I've had this character I wrote for, for Soulbound, which uh, you know, life's going on. We're just going to take a hiatus into January, and we'll, we'll come back to Soulbound. Sure. Uh, okay. I have this character where, like, I'm like, no, 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 you die. Like, I actually have, like, uh, like uh, this this thing. But, like, I'm like, if Fight Tan is what you think is decision-making, you're going to have a problem with this character. Because it's... It's not about the fight hand because you're in this like weird like forever war dream sure, shit sure, going sure. on right now, which is how I I read some some blurbs from uh, the Cubicle Seven, um, how they if they think actually works and so, stuff like that, and like there was a couple sentences where I'm just like I I mephistoed them where they talk about like these like for like the corn night forever wars that are going on throughout the yeah, whole region, yeah. and I'm like. You know, like, well, what if it's not, like, a forever war because they're literally just always, like, just tribes fighting and stuff like that. It's a forever war because, like, the echoes of the war was so fucking epic in the time of chaos and myth that it's just still going. Yeah, sure. That's That was the premise I worked from for this thing. Was so, you, like, you're watching the dream going on. And I'm like, it's going to get progressively, like, I think more interesting. And then I've got this character that you're going to see. And they're, like, they're just, like, they are Ares. You know, they are just like they can look at anybody. It's it's the riffs, uh, riffs war, uh, uh, the four horsemen. Like they they look at you and you war now. There's no save. And I'm yeah. like, how does that go over with the party? I'm like, I don't know yet. But like, the point is to not get to that point. You know. Sure. And like, like the agency. But like, I already already see where my mistake is right now because there's no d- dice rolling because I want you to talk talk your way through it sure and like i feel like we associate in gameplay rolling dice with decisions sure and i'm not i'm not operating on that same axiom when i'm an rpg guy yeah yeah warhammer is different you should be yeah, the decisions you make are through dice and warhammer it's just the it's just the nature of the thing yeah but like in uh, rpgs an rpg doesn't need to be the same way yeah yeah yeah, yeah. No, I, I don't know. I mean, that's that's. So I'm like, ah, I don't know. But uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell one final story, and then we'll we'll wrap it up. Um, Sounds good. The worst thing I ever did as GM 
the the time I I was like, uh, so I had this whole like arc uh, the the cult of dragon right was okay. this this like big cult where like they all worship dragons and dragons were like super. Uh, if it was a dragon, a dragon was at the level of a god. Dragons were like so rare in this realm. Like the Forgotten Realms cult of the dragon, or uh, are you talking like just general concept? General concept. Um, yeah, I, I know. There's like I, I probably wasn't like hiding the fact that I was inspired by Forgotten Realms at the time because I like Forgotten Realms. The Sundering for Forgotten Realms is like a, I think that's like super metal inspiration point. So there's a point where like all the gods in Forgotten Realms depowered so hard. And then they had to like get all their power back, and I think that's that's a really cool, compelling uh, narrative in general. Um, but no, so I had this what was called the Cult of Dragon Right, um, and W R I you know, like. Uh, I got you. Yeah, the Cult of Dragon Right, and the whole thing is like dragons were so rare in this realm that if like a dragon's there, like they are godlike. Everything a dragon can do is is it's like all the the paganistic societies like a dragon is propped up as a god and they're so rare and like everything they can do the warp reality and so on and so forth um so i had this like uh the this this cult of dragon right and i had these evangelists um that could like essentially conscript people into like like worshiping dragons and shit yep and then their main bad guy that i had propped up for uh, imagine like so I'm, i did the 11th dawn the 11th dawn thread is just like it's it's just a thread right now but imagine if I did the eleventh dawn thing the whole time right now, and I I, I built it into the leader of the eleventh dawn, and the 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 reason that there's all these like fucking wackadoos is because like the leader of the eleventh dawn can just conscript people with a word. Their whole gotcha. their whole thing is that they can just get you to become part of the cult with a word. Like the whole right. there, there's this like dyphic demigod type person who if you hear them deliver a speech you buy in you don't get to act you don't get to interact you hear the speech like with, with skig where skig like got to like ah, um you know actually you know, like right yeah yeah <laughs> yeah the when you when you encounter the 11th dawn like uh postulating right um imagine there's a character that just like you encounter them and like you just like uh-huh um so it was like the whole cult of dragon right stuff and i was building up to the like the whole party meeting this the the leader of the cult of dragon right the whole time for several weeks and i told my party ahead of time i'm like uh this guy has dominate effects you're gonna sure. like talk to him and he's going to dominate like basically i'm like the best way i can tell you is like every turn he's just gonna dominate a different party member and uh i look at your saves and i'm like a couple you can pass it but like on a long enough timeline you won't all pass it. Right. And, and, um, so like, be aware. That's the thing I've been building toward. It's like the Saren and the Geth for, uh, uh, Mass Effect fans here in the, in the chat. I'm like, this is happening. You're building to, if you're going to fight him in a fighting capacity, as opposed to like trying to like do the like social capacity and like turn towns folks against because like yeah he can only turn a member of a town per at the, there's a different avenue to pursue but if you're like we're gonna murder hobo our way to fight the guy you're gonna have some problems there's five of you in the party five rounds uh you might pass it but like even just dominating one of you is gonna be a problem for the long longevity of this fight i fucking told them all up front and i think that that was my mistake i maybe shouldn't have mentioned that to them i should just like ran my mechanic and have them figure it out. 
but I, I but I, I had this this thing about player agency where I never want to like rob you of your agency completely. And sure. and when the boss mechanic is like his whole thing is like he's gradually dominating the party. Deal with it. But like if you hit him once, he just folds. Like he crumples. He's got like thirty HP. Like he's just nothing. And so his whole thing is just has like this this gaggle of cultists and he's dominating like he just goes boom you're dominated boom you're dominated and so like there's just like a puzzle fight going on mm-hmm. I have never walked away from a game as a GM that was that was it I walked away from the game because the party I told them the mechanic I, I prefaced it I said this is what's going to happen and they're like well now we're all do- like th- like three out of three out of five of us are dominated we don't even see the way through and I'm like I told you this is the encounter. I told you I had plans. I had an out for you. Like, I it's a puzzle fight. I don't want to run this anymore. Like, you're going to question everything I'm doing as a GM. Like, you, you trusted me for a year to run this game. Like, I'm not just trying to, like, gib you and kill you all, like, with fighting each other. But, like, come on. And... The big payoff scene was, like, a like a dragon bust through the Cult of Dragonrite dragon that they summoned comes in and like goes to try to eat the like the guy is the main sacrifice and then he just like panics and he's like kill him kill him save me save me and so his like last dominant command is to tell the whole party to like kill the dragon but save me and then they get to like interact with like how interesting those words might mean as a last ditch dominate um and that was like the big puzzle i was paying off to but they had already like abandoned even getting to that point sure uh and for me, it felt like my my biggest failing as a GM. Like, I didn't communicate, like... It's tough, because you do, like, there's... With those kind of situations, it's a question of just, is it the wrong group for that kind of a challenge? You know, sometimes yes. you're just not going to be able to... Sometimes you're just not going to be able to... It's, it's like armies in AOS. It could be a great army, but it could be the wrong army for the, for this player. Mm-hmm. Right? Um... And I think it's the same thing with D and D groups. Like you can you can tell a good story, but if you're but if it's just not what you're if it's not what your group's into, right? If you have like if you have a group who isn't really into like solving weird puzzle mysteries, then like doing like me where I love like murder mystery type of stories and like the, you know weird where you got to consistently be finding different clues and put long stories together. The number of marathons I've ran where people are whiteboarding out exact timelines, like doing Pepe Silva up on the wall, <laughs> it's is, Pepe, is, Silva, Pepe Silva, Pepe Silva, Charlie, yeah. Yeah, as many, right? But if you're not into that, that's not a great experience for you. That's just like, ugh, this isn't what I thought we were going to be, right? Or what we were doing. And it doesn't matter if I told them beforehand. It would still be a bad experience. So. Uh, th- this comes back to the NPE. And I'm like, I, this party we have going on right now, I'm like, if I did that, I can't do it now because I've, I've tipped my cards. But like, if, if, if the ultimate, like, the 11th Dawn, like, payoff boss fight was that boss fight that I set up for that Call of Dragon, right? Mm-hmm. This party would have like rocked it, like they'd have just like there'd have been a point where like like Skig is like the last man up type thing, uh, you know, and like before the dragon bursts through, and it wouldn't have been a dragon; it would have been like a the Vermin Lord Deceiver or whatever. Like there'd sure. have been a moment before that that happens where like the whole party's dominated and and like Skig's holding out, and there'd have been that moment of tension, and the, you're realizing that this is the puzzle fight. And I think that this party would have, like, totally embraced it. But that party was just, like, no fly zone, no dominate. Yeah, sure. Sure. And, yeah, and Different group to group. And, 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 and again, that's why I'm interested in what and the yeah, you yes, break down to. Yes, yeah. What is your... Because, like, we all have a different thing. I don't think it's just agency is, is where I was going with this 
my yeah. very long form story is I, I don't think it comes down to agency. I don't think it's just agency. Agency is where I start. The player agency, making decisions in the game. I, I think it's interacting. I don't think it's just agency. I think it's interacting. Because yeah, like I could have no I'll agency. Be to see what the results of the survey are. I'm going to try to put it together this week sometime. So. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me know if you need a guest to talk about NPE because I've thought about it a long time. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and I want to get back to Soulbound because I miss it. Uh, I've got I've been hanging on to those like this boss, not boss dude. It's not it's not a big bad evil guy. I've been holding on to this like encounter. I wrote it out in my moleskin, which is how you know I'm fucking serious. If it's in the moleskin sure. journal, um, and uh, um, I want to tie it back to broken. There's like a broken realm subplot going on. Like I got some shit. I got, yeah, sure. I got some fucking shit no, going on, dude. We'll get back to it in the new year. It's gonna be very exciting. Yeah, right on. All right, so I'm gonna let you head out now. Um, Indeed. This has been a great. I'm upset that we get to talk more about MMOs. Next time. <laughs> come back. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the the Ratcast MMO episode. Um, so, uh, any last final soapbox moments? Any uh, uh, concluding thoughts on Slanesh? Merry Christmas, everybody. Uh, may your New Year be excessive. Bound and out. All right, Vince. Thanks so much for joining me. Chat gang, you're the show within a show. You're the reason we do this thing. Drink your milk, pay your taxes in excess yeah we'll see you next time